This is Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. Here's Johnny. Oh, wait, what do you want? You hey, motherfucker. You never go ask them out. Now what is so damn funny? And here we go. We will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. Force will be with you. Always. But the truth! You can't handle the truth! My fellow Americans, welcome to another edition of the For Real Movie Club live here on Mega Powers Radio and archived on fanboysanonymous.com. It is the 4th of July weekend. America has celebrated another birthday. We're celebrating all damn weekend, even if Independence Day has passed. It is Sunday, July 6th, and we're gathering here to talk about four movies that invoke what makes us proud to be Americans. It's American pride here on the For Real Movie Club. I'll be hosting things this evening, station director here at Mega Powers Radio. My name is Mike Payne. With me are four folks who just cannot wait to express their love for this country and all these movies representing it. First off, the president of FanboysAnonymous.com, Mr. Tony Mango. Hey, hey. Representing another writer of FanboysAnonymous.com, Mr. Eddie Siqueira. Yeah, that's me. Did I pronounce that last name correctly? Sure, man. I'm a a dumb American, so I don't know how to add spice to things. We all are, so to speak. And also with us here, both of the Wagos from Addicted to Anime, Steven and Jana. How you two doing? Good. How about you? Absolutely tremendous. Wago, you're quiet. Go England. Go England. All right. Well, we are gathered here to talk about four movies handpicked to represent pride in America. And those movies are The Patriot, Invasion USA, Air Force One, and Team America World Police. A little bit of everything in here. A little bit of action, a little bit of comedy, excitement, fighting all of America's greatest enemies going back to the Brits, all the way through the Russians and Durka Durkistan. We're going to break them all down. First things first, though, let's do this in chronological order based on who our enemies were with The Patriot. 2000 movie directed by Roland Emmerich, starring Mel Gibson as the lead, also featuring Heath Ledger, a number of other people, Jason Isaacs. One of my favorite movies, actually, but going back and watching it now, I kind of saw a little bit of the flaws about it. But let me go around to the other folks here and ask them their initial impressions after watching this movie. Tony, why don't you start us off? What were your initial impressions after watching The Patriot? The first time I saw The Patriot, it was when I was a lot younger. And um, now, you know, watching it back a second time, you get a different perspective of things. And I was surprised that I actually didn't have a different perspective about things, which was the the surprise of the whole thing because – I originally thought the beginning of the movie was better, and I couldn't remember much of the uh, middle and the end. And this time around, I got to the middle, and I was just kind of bored, and you know, it didn't match up to the beginning of it. So um, both viewings, I like the beginning of it, and then it falls off. Hmm. Well, Stephen Wega, why don't you take over there? Because I think you had pretty much the opposite point of view, right? I was fucking bored throughout this entire goddamn movie. Uh, the pacing was just so fucking out of whack. It was talk, 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 talk. Oh, we're going to have a bit of action, and it's gone. <laughs> so I fucking, I'd lost track of what the hell was going on about halfway through of it. I was like, all right, so when's that douchebag English person going to kill someone else? I like him. <laughs> 
John, how about you? What was your initial impression after watching The Patriot? I had kind of the opposite reaction to the first review. I had a hard time keeping my attention on it in the very first uh, third of the movie. But uh, the further in I got and the more action there was, the easier it was for me to keep my attention. Um, that that was pretty much it. it. I agree with Steven. It just, the pacing was a little too slow for my liking. But the action, the action part was done well. The acting was good, but it, the pacing was just so slow. Well, that is a staple of Roland Emmerich movies. They're always long and they're always awkwardly paced. But coming to Roland Emmerich a little bit later, let's talk about our star of this movie. Oh, wait, actually, I'm sorry. I forgot about Eddie. Eddie, your initial <laughs> thoughts on this movie. Yeah, thanks about time. <laughs> Go ahead. No, it's cool. I was, I was going to make a joke. Damn, I was going to make a joke and just say pass. But uh, <laughs> no, no, I really, I want to talk about it real quick. Um, Go ahead, please. She, uh, the Patriot is, um, how shall I put this? It's a serious movie, right? It's, uh, it's, uh, it's well produced. There's no way to get around that. It's, uh, you know, it's. Um, it's got that Mel Gibson thing where he tried to, you know, he did really good with Braveheart, but I think I think he went kind of like for an, a cheap attempt at an important uh, historical period. And hey, what do you know? You know, he's going after another country that's not his, um, and trying to, you know, work on the independence thing again. It kind of worked. I mean, the movie worked. I think the Patriot is in that, in you know, at its core essence, a good film. I mean, uh, I think the dialogue is what it has to be it's what it should be i mean it's 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 kind of it's made i know a lot of people get bored by it but i mean if if uh, your favorite movies are action movies or whatever else you know along those lines you're not really going to dig the patriot because it's just kind of like it's it's those it kind of it's got the, that, that kind of thriller thing like you know they're on the brink of war they're not sure if the, if uh, if it's you know the colonies are going to become a country and so essentially um, the, the pacing is, I think, purposefully really slow because it's political in nature. Like if you watch anything historical uh, like that takes place in ancient Rome, it's boring as hell. The gladiator, the gladiator was a fluke, right? But it's – that's – I mean back then there was just not much else you could possibly do to tell a story that's not at least a little boring, for, at least for our point of view. Yeah. I think you bring up a very um, good point that there's a lot of politics involved in this, and a lot of things that have politics thrown into the story typically are a little drawn out, and there's a lot of slow talking before you get to your good, meaty stuff. Uh, best thing I can think of to compare that to would be like Game of Thrones, which – Exactly, but uh, Game of Thrones has a lot of um, – we have a lady present, but uh, you know, there's some good – the erotic scenes in Game of Thrones, and you know, it, I mean, the camera angles are crazy. I mean, technology has come to a point where you know, TV sh uh, shows and series and mo movies also are entertaining. I mean, it's so much visual in Game of Thrones as well that the politics doesn't really bother me that much. I mean, sometimes I get lost, but it doesn't even matter because pretty soon something cool is going to happen, or something, some hot chick is going to appear. You know. No. Uh, but otherwise, uh, let me just cap off the Patriot real quick. Um, I mean, it's it, it got way too cheesy when he just grabs that flag and starts running towards the, <laughs> the red the red coats, you know. And uh, like it's like I, I mean, you know, like William Wallace yelling freedom, you know, it's just kind of like a, a spit uh, on the Union Jack. You know, the, um, wait, was there a Union Jack back then? Uh, no, no. Yeah, I mean, okay, it was it was it was just a. It was just kind of like a 
you know, the debauchery with English, you know, like, you know, him being tortured and they're about to kill him. He's like, you know, say it, say it, say it. He's like, no, freedom. There were a lot <laughs> of things. That's just cool. That's just pretty cool. I mean, that's believable. But a guy getting a freaking flag and just like, America, go, you know, like, and then everybody just, <laughs> it's kind of cheesy. But apart from that, I thought it was a, it's a decent movie. It's, a, it's, I'll, I'll say it's a, it's a serious movie. It's something I think Hollywood, it's one of, it's one of those moments where Hollywood actually does something that's, in terms of cinematography, it's significant. There they, you go. I'm done. They what? could have used a montage from fucking Team America to make that go a lot faster. <laughs> All right. They, yeah, yeah, montage. But you know, they they do I'm, a lot throughout this whole movie that they're just shoehorning as much things that they think represents America as they can. Like, oh, let's have him say taxation without representation here. And let's have him say one free, it's a free country over here. And then, of course, that scene at the end where he's running in slow-mo with the American flag. I almost expected, like, a bald eagle to fly in at a frame and just in slow motion fly behind him as he's running with the American flag. It was, it was yeah, the, the, yeah, that kind of stuff was a little over the top, yeah. Oh, I liked it. I think it was deliciously cheesy, but... What I was going to transfer to next was our main actor, Mel Gibson, very accomplished action actor, along as many other categories. We talked before about his work with uh, Braveheart, which I think is something he borrowed a lot when he created the character for this. Let me go around and ask you guys your thoughts about Mel Gibson's performance in The Patriot. Tony, why don't you start us off on that one? Mel Gibson's perfectly fine in the movie. Some people can criticize the way that he's been with his public life since these movies have happened and all that, but... You can't take away that he was a bankable star, that he's not a bad actor, and I would be surprised to see if anybody, out of all the things that happened in this movie, if anybody would criticize whether or not they believe Mel Gibson being this type of a character. I could see him killing people. I could see him being a father. I could uh, see him making a crappy rocking chair. Yeah, I could <laughs> see all that kind of stuff, you know? I don't question that at all, which is um, something I can't say for everybody else. Jonna, how about you? How do you like Mel Gibson's performance? I agree pretty much. He's he's done so many different parts, and his acting here was very believable, very genuine. And I can definitely say there's been a few movies I didn't like him in, but I, I think he did a good, believable, hearty job in this one. I just recently watched, before I started watching all these American movies, I watched Get the Gringo. I don't know if anyone else has seen that. It's another fairly new Mel Gibson performance, and he just kicks so much ass in there. And it's almost shocking considering the personal things that he's let out that he still is able to put on that kind of performance. Do they get the gringo? Uh, they never get the gringo, unfortunately. It's, it's, it's a <laughs> the, the gringo gets away. It's, it's, it's all a farce. That's false advertising then. Shit. <laughs> Eddie, what did you think of Mel Gibson's performance? Uh, it was pretty consistent, yeah. Uh, it's just I don't think he's necessarily uh, this um, a focal point as far as acting is concerned. I don't think anybody necessarily was, although we do grow a specific um, inevitably. We grow some sort of hatred for you know the British um, Tavington antagonists. Yeah, there you go. I forgot the names escaped me, but I thought you know the acting was sort of. It was what it was. I mean, it fit the movie. It's just I don't think there was a particularly wonderful performance. Uh, although, yeah, Mel Gibson is himself, you know, a good actor. There's you can't deny that. Um, it's just you know, it's it, when I see him with these more dramatic roles, I just I think back, you know, back to Mad Max, and I'm just like, man, he was cool. 
There, there's the one scene where uh, one of his sons die and he starts crying and I, I gotta admit it was not working for me I'm used to Mel Gibson being a badass not crying yeah no I mean it's it's Mel, Mel Gibson's kind of like you know Tom Cruise or you know man even Schwarzenegger I mean they're always like the same you know they're not like method actors I mean there's, it's Mel Gibson you get Mel Gibson you want Mel Gibson that's what you get <laughs> and it's I mean he's he's not gonna did he even win an Oscar for acting? Apart from Braveheart, I mean, acting wise. I think this, at least not, he didn't get it for this movie, that's for sure. I think the only Academy Awards this got nominated, nominated for was like sound design, was all it got nominated for. Yeah, no, I mean, Mel Gibson in general. I mean, he never won an Oscar for acting, right? I would imagine not. <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's good. That's all I got to say. I just, just. Wago, why don't you wrap us up? Steven Wago, I should specify, wrap us up on. <laughs> Mel Gibson's performance in The Patriot. It was nothing special, but by no means was it bad. With what he was given to work with, he did a fantastic job in the movie. So um, nothing seemed out of place. He seemed to fit the role perfectly, and I've got nothing much more to say that hasn't been said already. All right. Well, we talked about our hero. Let's talk about our antagonist of the film, Jason Isaacs, as the villain Colonel Tavington. Uh, this actor was in a number of other movies villains. I most know him as Lucius Malfoy from the Harry Potter series. He's just got this look in his eyes of a guy you just want to detest. And all throughout this movie, he's doing things from burning people in a church. He's killing young kids, showing absolute disregard for the rules of war. Even his own superiors were coming down on him all throughout the movie. Dude, chill. You're, you're, you're giving us a bad name from doing all this stuff. <laughs> tremendous performance honestly in my opinion probably the star of the movie even though you only get to see him like a handful of times but steven why don't you start us off what did you think about our villain of this movie jason isaacs the colonel tavington dude was a badass and the only one with some common sense the rules of war are fucking ridiculous so <laughs> i was glad for him to throw him aside and he really did a good job of making you hate him or in my case liking him because i like heels um, so <laughs> it was fun uh it was fun uh, like the scene when he um Ah, shit. It wasn't him who shot the sun, right? It was him who shot the sun. Yeah. It was him who shot the sun? I thought so. Okay. Yeah, that was fucking awesome. So, and then he uh, rubbed it in his face later, remember? Yeah, that was right, um, mm -hmm. in their little encounter on the battlefield. So it was sweet. Um, I really enjoyed him. I think you made a good point. He was the star of this. And honestly, if he hadn't been, if they hadn't had such a strong villain, I would have given up on this film altogether. Um, it really did piece uh, him and Mel Gibson well together, so... Uh, great role, great acting, and honestly, I wish we had more of him. Jonna, what do you think of our villain? I agree with Steven. I loved hating this guy. Well, he just loved him. I loved hating him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I actually had no idea that that was Lucius Malfoy at all. But again, this is a 14-year-old uh, movie, so I guess that makes sense. But It's also different love... to have the, the big platinum blonde hair that he has. Yeah, that, that's kind of his signature, isn't it? But I, I loved hating this guy, and he was a very strong character. And like Steven said, without him, you wouldn't really – it just wouldn't be what it was. And honestly, you, you wouldn't feel so happy at their victory if it weren't for him being such a complete and utter jackass. <laughs> Tony, what would you think about our villain, Jason Isaacs, the Colonel Tavington? He's the man. He's the best character in the whole movie. I obviously don't agree with the politics of the character itself. You know, I'm not a big supporter of, like, blindly murdering people and everything. But in the context huh. of the movie, he's definitely most entertaining. And uh, who knows? Maybe somebody can get a fan theory out there that it turns out he's actually the titular character. He's the patriot fighting for England 
as opposed to uh, Mel Gibson, who's fighting against America, then pro-America, only when he gets personally involved. It's funny you say that. While I was doing some background research about this movie, a lot of these characters were based on actual historical people in the Revolutionary War. And the guy Colonel Tavington was based on, there's actually a lot of heat on the filmmakers from the British government because they feel like they took this guy who was a war hero to England and made him look like an asshole. There you go. See? <laughs> Colonel Badass. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck who made this film. Eddie, why don't you round us out? What do you think of Jason Isaacs? Uh, excellent. Uh, by far, I think the it's the role that really invites you to really believe in the movie. Right. I mean, everything else is kind of, I mean, Heath Ledger was great. Mel Gibson was great. You know, everything was, you know, great as far as the movie is, uh, as far as it can go. But I think he took it a step further. He, he made everything believable. He made everything less cheesy because things were actually, you know, serious. And it made uh, Mel Gibson's triumphant, you know, flag run, you know, kind of uh, noteworthy, you know, it made it really special. Like, wow, you know, I'm, Despite all of this, you know, bloodshed, you know, they, you know, they're fighting back and they're fi- finally going for it, and you know, it made it made things more poetic in a way. You know, you have that it's it's the archetype of you know the great evil that must be defeated, and in the end, kind of is. Um, and that role was really the you know what tied all that together. Eddie, why don't you um, follow it up? Why don't you just give us a recap of the surrounding cast? Like you said, we had Heath Ledger, Heath, Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger no, playing honestly. as one of the sons, and we had a bunch of other people throughout the cast. I couldn't even name them all, but you had one guy playing a slave throughout this movie who eventually earned his freedom from fighting in the militia. He mm-hmm. also had a guy who was bashing throughout it, eventually turned his ways turned his ways and invited the slave as a friend. Uh, there was a love interest for Heath Ledger, uh, a symbol of Roland Emmerich's movies always has tons and tons of people and lots of things going on. What'd you think about the surrounding stories? No, it, it, it was, it was really good. I mean, that's why when I said it was a serious movie, I mean, there was no room for anything. Uh, uh, you know, there, there were no loopholes in, uh, in the characters lives. Everything was kind of, there was a, there was a whole universe over there. You know, even though everything was centered around uh, Mel Gibson's family and this evil general, it's just uh, it, it rounded up really nice. And if you look at any any uh, movie that stood out in the history of Hollywood, the entire cast has to be good, or else. Mm-hmm. I, I so. think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, Roland Emmerich, what I think, like I said, he's guilty of this in his other movies, and oftentimes he spends too much time on these side characters. I think he really perfected it in this movie to the point where these characters have enough of a personality to seem fleshed out and make this world feel real without getting lost in the shuffle of all these characters. The, the best thing I would compare it to be would be like 2012, where there's just a hundred people with things going on. You don't even care about whoever the main character is because there's so much other crap going on. But, yeah, Tony, yeah, that's it. Why don't you follow up? What do you think about our surrounding cast? All right. One that I have to point out that I didn't like, Adam Baldwin. <laughs> he felt so out of place. He really did. It was like, all right, I'm supposed to believe this guy's in colonial time for either side? No, not at all. But uh, actually, my two favorite characters in the entire film are um, his son, Gabriel, Heath Ledger's character, mm-hmm. and his love interest, Anne. And it annoys the crap out of me that they die in the movie because I forgot that part going into watching this the second time and all I had remembered was one of the sons dies at the beginning. So when they killed off the one who's like the the second oldest son, I didn't really care too much about his character, but he served his purpose perfectly fine. Same as pretty much everybody else does. The little girl that doesn't talk and all that, like they're they're fine. 
Um, they kill off the one guy, and I'm like, okay, that's the one who dies, and you know everything's okay with Heath Ledger's character. And then when the two of them die, I'm just like, son of a bitch, why didn't you kill off uh, – if you needed to kill one other person off in this movie, you could have killed off Mel Gibson at the end and kept these two characters because I like them the best out of everyone. Heath Ledger's like got the most honor behind him than anybody. His girlfriend's adorable, and that would have been nice. <laughs> Oh, you sound like you're crying. <laughs> a little, little bit, a little bit. No. <laughs> now, Adam Baldwin is the only one I really have any kind of problem with. Everybody else either did their job admirably or good enough. You're just hating on Baldwins. And I feel like this I will be the what, last time we hate on a Baldwin tonight. I tell you what, if they would have added um, Stephen Baldwin in his place, it might have been funnier. <laughs> <laughs> Jonna, what do you think of our surrounding cast in this movie? I really liked the surrounding cast. Again, just like he said, I really, really loved Heath Ledger's character. He had just so much going on. But who I really just got a kick out of was Heath Ledger's girlfriend's father, the one that was hard of hearing. <laughs> he just really loved to screw around with Heath Ledger so much. And I just got a big kick out of it. I loved it so much. If I was hard of hearing like that, those are the same jokes I would be playing on people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Stephen, why don't you wrap us up on this one? I think they did a great job as far as fleshing out the world goes and everyone having an identity and a bit of a backstory. But at the same time, I think if you cut some of that out, this film wouldn't have been so fucking long and drug dragged on so long. Mm -hmm. So it's a compliment, yet a detriment to the film at the same time for me. And the only characters that I really managed to pay attention long enough to really take in was uh, uh, Mel Gibson's uh, oldest son and um, that's really the guy that John had just mentioned because his stupid ass jokes are making me giggle <laughs> yo I'm shocked nobody mentioned the French guy oh yeah there was a French guy <laughs> French. oh yeah he was funny I liked him Yeah, when I first saw the movie as a kid he was actually my favorite character the first time I saw it what is I this, also... French Pride Film Day? What? <laughs> I also really liked... American. We don't mention French. Oh, John, what were you saying? I also really liked The Slave. Oh, The Slave. Yeah, he was pretty good. He was stone-faced. You know, he didn't say a lot, but it worked really well for his character. And he kept fighting even after his ear was up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, guys. One thing that was really important for this movie is to make the setting look real. Uh, they, they went to all these places across colonial South Carolina and Virginia. They, they, I think they did a tremendous job getting some of these, set, set, some of these sets um, and all the places they filmed. One thing that I actually caught that was pretty cool, the, the house that they go to that is Mel Gibson's sister-in-law's place is actually the same house from Forrest Gump. Huh. I don't know if y'all realize watching that, you can see like the the white fencing around the house. Looks exactly like the same from that movie. I don't remember Forrest interacting with them. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me get your guys' opinions on the scenery and the costumes. Did this make you feel immersed in seventeen seventy six? Tony, start us off. To tell you the truth, I really didn't notice, which means that it did its job. And um there's one scene in particular that made me think that it, it uh, it all kind of came together, and that's when they're melting stuff to find uh, material for more bullets. Mm. That scene was enough for me to, to buy into all this. Eddie, what do you think about our scenery? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, there's no... There's no way, uh, you know, you're going to notice, like, oh, man, that x-ray, you know, his phone was vibrating at that scene, in that scene, you know, it's like, no, 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 everything's perfect. Steven? Uh, not enough uh, McDonald's to make it seem American enough. 
<laughs> but um, it's kind of what Tony said. If you don't notice anything, that means they're doing a good job. Nothing seemed out of place where I went. Nah, that's fucking stupid. So, hey, it was fine for what it was. I have this problem. Like, if these guys were fighting in formation, they would not be... Oh. No one's going to get that. Some some nerd we were talking to at the Tony <laughs> Games convention was, was hating on the Patriot. And he, he just could not get over the fact, like, if these people were fighting in formation like that, there's no way they'd survive. Well, that's why tons of people died. Yeah, he, had, he had less yeah, of a problem we, with being able to see the camera equipment in the background of the one battle scene than he did with the formation and the <laughs> historical reference to that kind of a thing. Yeah, well, he has to remember that like gunpowder was relatively new. I mean, it was sort of only been had only been around for like 150 years, 200 years in battle. So uh, formation was very, very. It was really square. I mean, they didn't really figure out this whole like jungle tactics kind of stuff. You know, the Americans did, but the British are just like single file, like walking towards. You know. Well, heck, that's pretty much like uh, the saving grace of the Americans in the movie is that they break away from that typical stand at a line and fire, and they actually start using something a little bit more creative at the end. Hey, guys, don't be a great idea if we don't stand in front of the bullets. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that, that would have been a tactic that they figured out five minutes into fighting? Mm-hmm. Rather than years and years and years. I think it's uh, Bill Gibson's at the top of the house watching them fighting out in the field. And even he's just sitting there like shaking his head. He's like, what's wrong with you guys? Why are you just standing there in the field eating bullets? <laughs> right. Well, you know, like the thing is battlefields in Europe were all like literally that. It was just fields. Yeah, whoever, gets, whoever gets the first go, though, is uh, like the winner already. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, Jana, wrap us up. What do you think about our setting? It was seamless. I didn't have any issues with it. Again, it, like... Steven and uh, everyone else said, if you if you don't if you don't notice anything, that's a good thing. It, I really did not at one point. I I did not feel like I at any point got broken away from the plot or the the surroundings. I felt like I was actually immersed. Everything was wonderful as far as the surroundings go. Now I want to talk a little bit about our director of this film, Roland Emmerich, German guy known for making these big summer explosion-filled movies. He did Independence Day. He did 2012. He did The Day After Tomorrow. He did that Godzilla movie that came out in the late 90s. His thing is just boom, boom, big explosion, boom, boom, boom. What did you guys think about this movie in that guy's library? I think this is a bit of a stray from it, but let me get what you guys think of this compared to those. Tony, what did you think of it? Emmerich is kind of a hit-or-miss sort of guy. This one isn't as – I don't want to say simple, but maybe that's the best word that I could put it. You take a movie like a Godzilla, and you could tell that it's really just kind of dumbed itself down, and this isn't as bad as that. And then this might be an unpopular opinion, but um, the most recent Emmerich film that I've seen was White House Down. And I actually really enjoyed that movie a lot. I went there to see it just because I you know, was bored and I saw it in the middle of the day for like five bucks or something like that. And I ended up liking that more than half the movies I saw that year. So he's kind of uh, – he's in the, the middle of that kind of stuff. And this movie is more uh, – I, I don't even want to say Oscar-worthy either too. <laughs> I don't want to go to two extremes. Between his type of uh, films that he's had in his library, this one's actually a pretty good one. Eddie, what do you think about this film compared to the other works of Roland Emmerich? Yeah, I didn't see White House Down, but uh, I mean, The Patriot seems like the absolute best movie he's ever done. 
I, I don't know way. his entire library. But here's the thing. He he seems to me like a cheap version of James Cameron. Uh, yeah, he'll also be compared to Michael Bay a lot, but he's, he's definitely no, no, James Cameron. No, no, Michael Cameron Bay is like a cheap version of this guy. But, um... <laughs> like he's here's the thing James Cameron's like you know blockbuster genius cuz the his movies are good mm-hmm. and they sell out like crazy and uh you know this guy you know Emmerich Roger Emmerich what what is his name Roland Emmerich Roland yeah sure yeah Roland <laughs> Emmerich and uh he's all right I mean Independence Day was cool I mean I saw him when I was a kid so I mean it was cool and um Godzilla you're talking about the the, the Godzilla from uh, 98 right that or, is it yep yeah, that was shitty. Uh, <laughs> 2012, 2012 wasn't as bad as I heard everybody say it was. Mm. People were telling, me, were telling me, like, oh, 2012 is the shittiest movie of all time. And I'm like, no, it's not that bad. It's just, it's whatever. Yeah, he, he's all right. Yeah, The Patriots is the best movie. Jonna, what do you think about this compared to the rest of the works of Roland Emmerich? From looking at the list of everything he's done, it actually seems like he seems to work on a lot of movies that are just jam-packed with special effects and things like that. So this was definitely took a step in the other direction with that because there weren't as many, like, CGI things or stuff like that. But I think it was a good thing. Um, it's always important to step away from what you're used to and try something different, so there's nothing wrong with that. You hear that, Michael Bay? <laughs> <laughs> Steven, wrap us up, man. I haven't seen fucking any of this guy's movies other than Godzilla. Really? And now that and now that I know he made that piece of shit, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I liked it the day after tomorrow. There were some parts I. Oh wanted my to god, punch. that was just two. Yeah, yeah, wanted, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to punch what? him in the face at some points, but other points I thought it was good. I made so much fun of that movie. Like I watched yeah. it with my brother. So funny. Let's put it this way: Roland Emmerich only has two movies that have a fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and they are <laughs> Independence Day and this movie. So, he's, so basically, the only thing he can do is murk. Murk. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I haven't seen enough of his shit to really, um, and I say shit literally at this point, to comment on um, how it fits in. But, hey, you did better than Godzilla. Good for you. There you go. All right, guys, let's take this down to what we think our favorite scene and least favorite scene from seeing this movie was. Steven, why don't you start us off? Your favorite and your least favorite scene. Douchebag shooting his... Son, that was awesome. <laughs> He's such a prick, and I love it. Um, as far as least favorite scene goes, can I just, like, group all the talking scenes and put them together? Sure. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> John, how about you? Um, to be honest with you, my favorite scene was when they went to the British camp and uh, to rescue all of their soldiers and left behind a bunch of straw men trying to convince them that it was British soldiers, but it was really just straw men. Yeah, and when they when he walks back there and he's like, here's one of our captured soldiers, sir. <laughs> Very clever. And another thing I like on that scene is when he's leaving, he brought the dogs like a peace offering, but just as he's leaving, he calls the dogs and they follow him leaving. I out. know. <laughs> <laughs> such, such a clever fox, that Mel Gibson. Tony, uh, what was your favorite and your least favorite scene? What about my, my least favorite? Oh, you didn't. I'm sorry, Jonna. Please. <laughs> it's okay. Go ahead. Um, to be honest, most of the beginning, I oh. just, especially the the part where uh, they're all bickering back and forth in the courtroom of sorts, I just couldn't keep my attention on it. Hmm. Tony, least favorite and favorite. I'm gonna go the total opposite. Uh, least favorite, just pick a random scene in the middle. Um, I just couldn't get into most of those scenes. Maybe something with like Donald Logue or something. 
Um, and my favorite scene, and this is the part where right after this is when it, it dips down for me, is after they've killed the first son and they're doing that sniper scene with the two littler kids. Mm. And um, it's, uh, I don't know if you could call it like an ambush or whatever, but um, the group of the um, soldiers that they're slaughtering by themselves that's my favorite part of the movie. That was really cool. It's a very infamous scene for that movie. They call it the uh, the tomahawk scene because of that little axe that he uses. I was, that was always an iconic thing of that movie for me. But Eddie, why don't you wrap us up on this one? Your favorite and least favorite scene from The Patriot. Well, my least favorite, it's uh, – I, I mean I just, I, just, I just don't think that kind of scene belongs in that kind of movie. I mean if you do something a little more serious, a little more period, you know, stop with the cheese – so the flag running towards the redcoats, it's, I mean, it's cool, but, you know, I, I have to say it's my least favorite. Hmm. You know, I just, I, I, I thought it was, it didn't belong in that kind of movie. It's just, it's kind of out, out of place, you know. Sometimes uh, the cheesiness is just too much for folks. It's just, it, it could have been a great movie, but it's just, it's too much Hollywood kind of like, oh yeah, like perfect ending, Cinderella story, that kind of stuff. Otherwise, uh, I had a few uh, key elements that did it for me. Like, uh, I think it was cool. Like, uh, when they were melting the little, what do you, what were those things? Little, those little, little soldiers. soldiers. Yeah. yeah, there you go. I think it shows just how, I mean, just how poor that, I mean, that that militia was against the British invasion, so to speak. And um, I mean, it really, it really, it really puts things things into perspective. I mean, that's how dire the situation was for the American um, colonists and, you know, against that big juggernaut of an army. But uh, the the tomahawk was also cool. Let's uh, let's wrap this up, guys. Final question going around to you about The Patriot. I'm going to ask you guys, did this movie make you feel pride in America? And what is your final rating on a scale of 1 to 10? Eddie, please take that up. A scale 1 to 10? 11. What? Nah, just kidding. I just like to say 11. Um, uh, this doesn't go to 11. This isn't Spinal Tap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll tell you later why I have that, an inside joke with 11. But um, I don't know. I'll give it a, I'll, I'll give it a, I'll give it a, like a, a six because it's a, it's a respectable movie. And uh, it does show the struggle you know, against the evil British Empire, whatever. Just above average. All right. Jono. Yeah, it's a six. Did this make you feel American pride? And what's your final rating out of 10? I'd also give it maybe a five or a six. It was well done, and like you said, it was respectable. The acting was solid, and the plot was solid, too. I just could have done without some of the filler. Um, I'd say out of all the movies we watched, this is the one that gave me more pride than the others. It's the beginning of everything. It's how it started. Of course, I'm sure some of it never actually happened, of course, because it's a movie. But, you know, the the general idea of it gives me more pride than the others because it's where it all started. All right, Stephen, how about you? Final rating, and did this make you feel pride in America? Well, that villainous dude made me feel pride in England. So. <laughs> <laughs> I say give a round of applause to him, everyone. Um, <laughs> as far as rating this movie out of 10 goes, yeah, but I'm going to give it a four. And... Honestly, it wasn't that much of a bad movie, just for my personal preference. I couldn't get into it. It was just way too slowly paced. It wasn't a bad movie, but I could. it lost me halfway through, and that's not a good thing. Not your cup of tea. 
Ah, sí. Tony, your final rating and did this movie make you feel like an American? Patriotism, yeah, it gets up there. Um, I'm not going to go out and start waving my flag and running towards uh, other people, <laughs> but it did its job admirably fine. Um, six out of ten is another good rating, too, for this because there's nothing offensive about the movie. It's not like really terrible acting. There's no horrible CGI. Uh, you know, everything kind of – it does its job, and that's what makes it something that people can kind of all agree upon that it's like a basic standard movie. I know a lot of people that went to see this when it came out, and not to really make fun of the movie and them, but that they're kind of more along the lines of the simple um, moviegoers, and I'm a more cynical asshole who picks things apart. And to them, this is an amazing movie, should have won Best Picture. You know, you could give them a movie that's more artsy, and they'll think it's boring. You can give them something that's more of a blockbuster, and if they've heard people bitch and complain about it like a Michael Bay thing – they'll bitch and complain this is the type of movie that they a lot of moviegoers can agree upon is at least decent if not okay or good and a quintessential high school movie exactly the type of movie that you would have in like a warfare in america class or a history class you'd pop that on it's not going to be too odd of a movie to watch it's not going to be too boring for the kids and it will try to have some kind of a historical reference so it does its job. Six out of ten is a perfect score for it as far as I'm concerned. But if I want to watch a Mel Gibson movie, I'm in the mood for that. I'm going to pop in Lethal Weapon. <laughs> Man, Max. Well, I think that's a good way to wrap this up, folks. We just finished talking about The Patriot here on the Four Real Movie Club. We're going to take a short break for you folks listening live. If you're listening to the archive version on YouTube or Fanboys Anonymous, please go ahead and hit to the next video. We're going to be talking about Chuck Norris, Roundhouse Kicking Communists, and Invasion USA. Live folks, please stay tuned. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Four Real Movie Club, American Pride Edition. We're talking about all the movies that make us proud to be an American. Up next in our lineup is Invasion USA, the 1985 low-budget B-level action movie starring Chuck Norris, roundhouse-kicking terrorists on his way to save America as they try to destroy it. Man, if you like Chuck Norris, this is the quintessential well, I'm not going to say that, but it is the definition of what you expect a Chuck Norris movie to be. If you're not familiar with Chuck Norris, you may not know what exactly to expect. So let's start talking to our panelists here and see what they thought about Invasion USA. Go around as I did before, getting our initial reactions to the movie. Steven, why don't you start us off? What was your initial reaction to watching Invasion USA? This movie is so fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you're not like if you've always seen the Chuck Norris's memes and you don't know what they're all about, 
this is the story of that meme. It's fucking, it's Chuck Norris the meme, the movie. He blows shit up, they blow shit up, he wins, the end. Miracle. <laughs> Chuck Norris meme the movie. John, I want you to uh, follow him up. What do you think about, uh, what, what's your initial reactions after watching this? Honestly, it's Chuck Norris in a movie. It's just the personification of Chuck Norris. It's just, he's right. It, he blows a lot of stuff up. He punches a lot of people in the face. I'm surprised a a, a fist didn't come out of his beard. It, it's just, <laughs> it's just it, it, you don't even understand why half of it's even going on. It's just, it's a low-budget action film. It's, it's all it is. And I didn't despise it, but I really didn't enjoy it that much. Eddie. What were your initial reactions after watching Invasion USA? Well, I had many reactions. My 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 first reaction was actually I, I laughed um, <laughs> because because of that the very intro where he's just squinting into the horizon. You know, he's he's in that airboat. You know, he's like being totally American in Florida. You know, that's like ah uh, yeah. The rest of the movie was downhill from there. Uh, so I uh, you know. Well, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't good, man. It wasn't good, and I'm not trying to be anti-American because you can't bash Chuck Norris or he'll bash you. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Tony, your initial reactions to watching Invasion USA? The first thing I thought of was, man, I need to go to bed. <laughs> I can't stay up and watch this movie anymore. But I sat through the whole thing, and God, this is ridiculous. <laughs> it is so. I mean, I can't even keep track of the retarded stuff that happens in this movie. <laughs> and it's played in such an earnest way. I know. Oh, my God. It's just so it's 80s. <laughs> so Jean-Claude Van Damme. Even to the logo itself, you're like, okay, if you just saw Invasion USA on the screen with that metallic effect from the 80s, you got to go, okay, is this Van Damme, Seagal, Norris? Which one is it? It's got to be one of these guys. <laughs> That's the only way this movie could have been any worse if it was fucking Steven Seagal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, since you say that, first thing I want to talk about is our hero of the film, Chuck Norris. He starts his life as a retired guy on a on the Louisiana Bayou. He's sitting in his shack with his pet armadillo, which was absolutely adorable. Uh, Eventually, I'm pretty sure it's Florida. Oh, was it Florida? Yeah. Oh, wherever it was. I mean, because like, the Cuban, you know, the Cubans, like, in the boat in the beginning, and then Florida, Florida. <laughs> That's, that makes Gator, a lot of sense. Everglades, yeah. USA. That's all that matters. I completely forgot about that first scene. <laughs> you say you sat retiring. You should have retired after this movie. <laughs> uh, well, he gets called back into action after they find out that a bunch, bunch of Russians have invaded the USA and plan to set off a bunch of bombs, as the Russians do, I guess. I guess. <laughs> what did you guys uh, think of Chuck Norris as our hero in this movie, coming to save the day for America? Tony? The opening for this character, which, what was his name in it? Like Max Hunter or something? <laughs> yeah, something like, like that. Yeah, Matt Hunter. Buff Hart. Matt Hunter. Oh, yeah. It's like <laughs> it's John Hero or something like that. Um, just the opening shot alone. Eddie touched upon it earlier of him just squinting through the Everglades on a fucking airboat. And then it's like, the next scene, he's got to wrestle an alligator. Like, I get it. He's fucking macho. 
<laughs> you might as well have had like just a shot of his muscles, and he could have just been staring at the screen for eight minutes and just been like, "Max Hunter, Matt Hunter, yeah, you're, you're gonna die, motherfucker." <laughs> <laughs> he does not need much characterization because the people that love these movies, uh, especially at the time that this came out. If you would have given them characterization, they would have been like, oh, this is so stupid. Just get to where you're punching through somebody's throat or something. Someone riding a motorcycle? No, some jackass is like, like racing down the avenue. Never mind. Chuck Norris. <laughs> 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 Chuck Norris heard Tony speak fucking shit. Tone down that uh, cr- uh, critique, man. I mean, seriously. It's like, stare at my muscles, goddammit. We live two blocks from a fireworks store, and it's two days after 4th of July. Oh, they know. <laughs> so we feel your pain. Oh man, the craters! Oh, uh, gosh, uh, Eddie, did I did I ask you about Chuck Norris? Why don't you take? Please don't, <laughs> dude. I love. I mean, here here's the thing. I can't get enough of, the, of those Chuck Norris joke uh, jokes. Like, um, you know, when Chuck Chuck Norris uh, does a push up, he's not pushing himself up. He's pushing the world down. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. I dig. I really do. It's just. He's just he just walks around like with that kind of like you can tell if he's grinning or if he's just like gritting his teeth or what and then he's like driving around and then he shows up and he he just like beats the crap out of people shoots people or he punches them or he didn't say did he even say anything in the movie I, I don't remember uh, he had a couple one liners yeah something like that um I, it's Chuck Norris the movie man I don't know it's uh... <laughs> Jonna, what do you think about Long live Chuck Norris. Long live Chuck Norris. That's all. Jonna, what do you think about it? I just have one question. When What's the house it? burnt down, was the armadillo okay? I, that's yes, what I was yes, wondering. Yes, too. They showed yes. the armadillo climbing down the stairs, but then you never see it again the rest of the yeah. movie. Yeah, I was like, oh my God. And for like two to two to five minutes afterwards, I just kept going to see, is the armadillo okay? Where's the armadillo? Where the no, no. hell is the armadillo? You can't just, like, set up this character of the pet armadillo. You even show, like, Chuck Norris, like, laughing at it as it knocks over its feeding dish, and then you never see it again. Like, this armadillo should have been by his side as he's, like, machine-gunning terrorists. It should have been on his shoulder. You think if this yeah, big, Ronnie man, like, liked this armadillo so much, he would have, like, gone through the fire to save the fucking armadillo. Like, where's the armadillo? He was climbing down the steps, uh, and then he was never seen again. Yeah, really but uh, I'm assuming, I'm assuming uh, that you know it's Florida, so he was a retired armadillo. Yet, you know, Chuck Norris had to go out <laughs> and cast. Retired armadillo. Well, I mean, armadillos are like from Texas, right? So, you know, America. I'm curious to know. Um, Chuck Norris apparently had his hand in writing this movie, mm-hmm. and I wonder if he was just kind of like, I gotta have a pet armadillo in this movie. <laughs> Because it's funny that when they attack his house and they kill that he's supposed to be in the end or something like that with the mm. with the airboat business, they kill him and Chuck Norris brings his body to his house and then sets it on fire. So he basically just like gave his buddy like a, a Valkyrie's death essentially, but doesn't pay that much attention to the armadillo. So he's fine with burning the body of his friend. And doesn't go after the armadillo and stuff. Maybe there's some kind of a deleted scene here where, like, the armadillo helped save the day against the Russians. He, like, threw it at somebody and it attacked them or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, no, no, armadillos are hard shelled, so, I mean, it would hurt. Right? Roll them like a bowling ball at somebody and knock them over. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Spoiler alert for my favorite scene of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now that we got the armadillo talk out of the way, John, I'm sorry. What was your uh, your your thoughts of Norris in this movie? I have nothing against Chuck Norris. I don't think he's a bad actor. I think he's pretty much an okay actor, and in some things, he's been a very good actor. It's just, again, Chuck Norris the movie. There's really not much to say here. He hardly spoke. It was mostly action, so it's kind of hard to like judge his acting when he hardly speaks. Stephen, wrap there us up. There goes Chuck Norris. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk here and us talking about him. Stephen, say something nice about Chuck Norris. Before he beats us up. It's, it's sad, but the armadillo had more character development than Chuck Norris. Because we know it's hungry because it didn't give it a full food dish and it knocked it over. It yep, spilled yeah. over its, its own milk, so that's how upset mm-hmm. it was. It was probably like going like, hey, man, I'm pissed off here in the jungle. Let's go somewhere else. Yeah. New York. It's probably there's pissed the, off that he was associated with this movie. There's the <laughs> sequel, Armadillo, Hungry for Justice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but as far as fucking Chuck Norris goes, he, he blew shit up. I mean, he did a good job of blowing shit up. It's bully did, so I can't really critique him on his acting because he didn't act. Uh, well, this is uh, usually the part where I ask you guys about the surrounding cast, but <laughs> there really wasn't any. There was, they, they had a Russian villain, Rozdov. I, I don't know anything about this actor. I'd never seen him before. And even though he's the main villain, he's only in the movie for like four scenes. Yeah. So I don't think we really need to go too into that. So let's just fast forward and talk about what our favorite scene in the movie and what our least favorite scene of the movie was. So good luck to you guys picking those out. Well, there was also that like a reporter chick. Uh, oh yeah, who never got like a conclusion to her storyline. No. no. <laughs> yeah. She's annoying ass bitch though. Yeah. By the end of the movie, like you just completely forgot that she was even a character in the movie. Pretty much. Because you, you didn't have that schmaltzy wrap up. Yeah, and there was kind no of like they decided they didn't want to make her a damsel in distress, so they just didn't make her anything. Now <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know this movie sucked. Yeah, no uh, nudity. Eddie, what was your uh, what's your favorite scene and your least favorite scene of the movie? My favorite scene of the movie is when the uh, armadillo sp- uh, like spills the milk. <laughs> <laughs> my 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 uh, least favorite scene was when the armadillo, you know, like uh, is tripping down the stairs. Oh. But, so but apart from that, okay, a bonus scene is when uh, Chuck Norris, you know, like uh, bravely points the bazooka towards the guy's uh, solar plexus, you know, the, the Russian guy. Mm-hmm. And then he just fucking fires and bam, go to fucking Russian hell. <laughs> this is America. And then credits. <laughs> it's about four seconds after he calls the villain when it goes to the credits. Well, as even, soon as he killed him, even. and there's like no sound, there's no music, there's no nothing, I'm like, tell me this movie's about to end right now. And it fucking <laughs> does. I'm like, yes! <laughs> it's perfect. Dude, I swear, the, the cheesiest ending I had seen that I remember, you know, uh, was uh, from Commando. You know, Schwarzenegger, when, he's, when he throws that pipe onto that dude, mm-hmm. and he goes like, there, let off a little steam. <laughs> like... Anyway, you know, like there's like a he, he had some sort of pipe in the back, and then like the steam coming through. Anyways, that was so cheesy, but this well, this one definitely outdid it. All right, Stephen, your favorite and least favorite scenes of Invasion USA. Oh um, man, when he killed those people, that was awesome. But I didn't like when he killed those people. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it was like it's hard to pick it's anything out. Good. The bazooka scene was awesome. Mm-hmm. 
But what, remember, wait, 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 about the which bazooka movie? scene? Because there's also the bazooka scene where they're like blowing up people's houses on Christmas. That was messed up. Yeah, what the fuck was that? It was just random, like Christmas. <laughs> at too. least, at least he let the little girl put the star on the tree before he blew her house up. That's yeah, true. That's cool. So yeah, the tr- Norris using the bazooka scene that was good. So we, we, so we could do this movie again for Christmas movies. We'll have to keep that one in mind. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> no. Impossible, like a, you know, like a like a animal movies also because there's an armadillo. Oh yes, <laughs> armadillo movies. We'll do a whole one on armadillos. Jana, what was your uh, your favorite and your least favorite? My favorite parts were when the armadillo knocked over its milk, and also <laughs> when Chuck Norris bazooka the guy in the chest. Uh, honestly, my least favorite part is the rest of the movie. <laughs> I'm not even lying. I can't believe how much talk we're getting out of this damn armadillo. The biggest of the movie is like the fucking armadillos. What you're paying attention to? I mean, you feel sorry for him. I mean, he's a retired armadillo in Florida, right? Low taxes. Just trying to enjoy his retirement. Trying to live his life, right? And then the boom, they blow his house, and it's like fuck. Armadillo USA. (laughs) Uh, Tony, wrap us up. What was your favorite scene? Your least favorite scene of Invasion USA? Well, there's not too much to say about the movie. There's a whole lot, not a whole lot of substance. It's just sort of, um, you know, tits, violence, drugs, no bullshit story, man's movie kind of a thing from the 80s. Uh, but the things that stood out to me outside of giving credit to Little Army there, um, obvious villain is obvious. Dude looks like he is the villain of the movie for the very first second you see him. And probably my favorite scene of the whole film is when he kills those people uh, very early on. He Pushes the girl, the prostitute's uh, head with a coke straw. Oh, oh shoots yeah. the guy's balls off or something like that's <laughs> crazy. Um, there's two candidates for my least favorite scene. Uh, one is the kids singing like singing like Wheels in the Bus or something like oh, that. They're supposed oh to be God. like afraid that they're gonna get murdered, and they're just kind of like singing. I don't know whatever the fuck it was. And pretty much any scene that Chuck Norris is reflecting or trying to act, except for one. And there's one line in the movie that I was just like, this is fucking amazing. <laughs> when the, he, the guy's got the messed up hand and he's torturing him essentially. And he says to the other guy, if you come back in here, I'm going to hit you with so many rights. You're going to beg for a left. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That was, I, I, I blocked that out. I just blocked oh my that God. out. That <laughs> was officially the first time in the, mo- uh, the movie that I paused it brought up uh, Microsoft Word and wrote that down of like I've got to write this in my notes Tony just reminded me of the scene that I hated the most actually that okay. wheels on the bus thing yeah he actually mm-hmm. looked at me and said is this ever going to end it's like do they not know all of it's like fuck stop singing the same goddamn words this fucking half hour it felt like Jesus <laughs> Christ no at some point they started singing um, row 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 your boat but yeah. they didn't know that that song is supposed to be, like, around, where you, like, sing it off time with each other. So they're all yeah. just singing it together. And it, it seriously Creeper. goes on for, like, five minutes. Man, they, 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 they were on a bus really, instead really. of a boat. And it led up to what was one of the very few, like, action one-liners. I have to say one thing. As far as an action movie, this was limited on the action one-liners. But it did lead up to another one of those that I really liked. You talked about that one with the, the rights. But another one is he takes the bomb that the terrorists put on the bus and then drives up to the terrorists in their car, drops the bomb on their hood. He's like, hey. Drop this. <laughs> just drives off and lets them blow up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, here's here's one last thing. Um, 
there was a lot of cocaine being done oh. in the 80s. And I think these producers and directors and whatever, they, I mean, they were like these, they were just making these movies going like, yeah, we'll make some good money with this movie. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> it was all actual like, coke from the director's personal stash. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you, ever, did you ever see Wall Street and Charlie Sheen? That was real coke. Hmm. I, I, I mean, think, I don't know. I'm thinking I'm, about I'm Wolf just, of Wall I'm Street. Just, I'm just guessing. I'm, that was probably but, real you know. coke in that too. Yeah. So let me ask you guys. Invasion USA, do you think in this present day 2014 world, once again, we're at high tension with Russia. Could we see a remake of this movie in present day? And who would you want to be cast as Matt or Max Hunter? And should it have an armadillo? Steven, what do you think? Just take any fucking douchebag wearing a, wearing a cutoff t-shirt that says tap out and he can play the fucking main role for this. And I would never want to see this abomination make it to the screen again. <laughs> Fuck me, this was dumb. Armadillo, though. Oh, what about armadillo. You? Yeah, hell yeah to the armadillo. Jono, would I, you see a remake for this? No, just no. <laughs> but if they did, why can't they just like make it about the armadillo? Yeah. Just why like have him blow up the bus. <laughs> I don't know. Just, uh, I don't know. John Cena? He seems ridiculous <laughs> enough. Like, I don't, I don't know. I have nothing against John Cena, but, um... Maybe, hey, at least he wouldn't have to act in that. That's a plus for everyone. Maybe not the character. I don't like the character. He seems a good enough guy, but his character, I kind of want to punch in the face. But I don't know. John Cena, sure, we'll cast him in that. Seems legit. Eddie, would you see a remake of this? Uh, no. <laughs> Just no. Just, okay. Tony, how about you? Remake possible? It better not, but if they do, they need to make it to where Chuck Norris is in it, and it's actually a sequel, not a remake. And the armadillo has to save him from the Russians, and you can call it Invasion USA, One Man Army. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, uh, here, here's, here's an addendum, right? Go to Google right now and type in World Cup mascot. Is it an armadillo? Yeah. Chuck Norris. <laughs> and that's Chuck Norris. Your story. That you should just just have a fucking armadillo mutant man like fighting. Oh goodness. Oh my god, there's an armadillo. <laughs> so uh here's a fun fact. Did you know this movie was novelized in nineteen eighty five? Because exactly the that? target audience is gonna want to read this, right? <laughs> <laughs> How do you even convert this into text? The text literally goes like boom. The the person is just like mashing their hands against the typewriter. <laughs> All right, guys, let's uh, let's close out this. Let me go around one final time. Ask you guys your final rating for this movie, and did it invoke American pride from you, Tony? <laughs> I'm just gonna say no for both. <laughs> so you're giving it a zero? I'm giving it a no out of a rating. Okay. <laughs> Eddie. Uh, I I can't I can't do this. Okay. <laughs> All right, Jana. I'll I'll either go with a no or a one. <laughs> Oh, no one should watch this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll give Armadillo a 10, but the rest of it gets like a no. Okay. A no. And Steven, you're you're closing us out on that. There's movies that I hate more than this, so I'm going to give it a 2. And 
I guess you're right. Yeah. I don't feel American from any of these. I films, didn't get so what was American. Hell no with this. I don't get what was American at all about this at all. Like, there's nothing American about Chuck Norris's character. He was he just seemed to be beating crap up for the sake of beating crap up. Yeah, that's, well, that's, that's American. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. That's it. That's it. That's exactly what it's it's all about. I mean, this movie. If we have to, um, if we if we must put it in the corner and say, what are you? What the fuck are you? <laughs> this movie is the embodiment of like this cheap uh, '80s propaganda that was going on in, in in mass media and movies and everything. Everything was GI Joe. It was Hulk Hogan, you know, real American, uh, you know. There was, you know, Top Gun, you know, there's all this stuff like making, you know, wanting you, uh, to make you proud of being American. And this movie is just uh, a cheap shot at, you know, adding to that kind of market. All right. With that, we're going to wrap up talking about Chuck Norris's hit movie, Invasion USA. We're going to take another short break here in the live stream. We'll be back in just a moment. If you're listening to us in the archive, please find our next one, which is going to be Air Force One. We'll be back in just a moment live on Mega Powers Radio. When it comes crashing down. back on the four real movie club on mega powers radio it's about time we start talking about a little bit more modern of a scenery air force one 1997 action film starring harrison ford gary oldman glenn close and a number of others directed by wolfgang peterson features harrison ford as the president of the united states boarding a boarding upon the plane air force one just after he gives a landmark speech talking about how the u.s is going to go against all the terrorists of the world well wouldn't you know it terrorists counter him and hijack air force one causing the president harrison ford to have to take the plane over by himself guys let's get your initial thoughts about air force one tony why don't you start us off Air Force One is one of those 90s movies that if I were a kid and I would have seen this, I probably would have grown up loving it. And now that I've seen it when I'm 27 years old, it doesn't hold up as well. But I'm sure back then it was fucking awesome. Eddie? Yeah, I saw it when it first came out um, in 97. And um, it, it was okay. I mean, you know, like I was I was like 14 and yeah, it was pretty – no – was I 14 in 1987? Yes, I was. And uh, it was pretty cool. Uh, now it's – no, it doesn't – it didn't really translate to, uh, you know, like uh, in like a nostalgic kind of like movie to me. Mm-hmm. But it's still it's, – it's, I don't know. It did it for me because I think Harrison Ford is cool. Yeah. I'm not saying he's a great actor, but I'm saying he's cool. You know what I mean? He's cool and that's what counts. It's it's almost like a more tame Chuck Norris. He's just cool because he's Harrison Ford. Yeah, uh, that's, don't don't let Chuck Norris hear you say that. But oh, yeah. if I hear the if I hear the motorcycle again, I'll just duck under my desk. Cool, cool. But yeah, that's pretty much that's it. Yeah, Jana, what would you think of Air Force One on your initial viewing? There's really no way for me to be nostalgic about it because in 1997 I was seven years old and my parents probably wouldn't have let me watch this. Mm. Um. 
right when we started watching it, Steve made a joke about how, oh, it's the president who they're not going to name because he's not a real president. I said, yeah, they're just going to call him Mr. President through the whole thing. And then sure enough, I was right. It's just Mr. President through the whole thing. But um, <laughs> That's his last name. Yeah, it's just Mr. Die president. president. Yeah. Hey, I have a friend. Well, actually, with a actually, it's a very patriotic yeah. marshal. Yeah, Jim Marshall or something, isn't it? Yeah. Oh. James Marshall. But they they never actually called him Mr. Marshall or anything. It was just Mr. President mm-hmm. through the whole well, thing. It's just stereotypical Sorry. 90s president movie. Mr. President. Yeah, even, know, but... even Harrison Ford tells you. He's like, do you know who I am? I'm the president of the United States. Bitch. Better if he said that. Jesse Pinkman. Um, all in all, I, out of the movies, I'd say out of the last two we reviewed, plus this one, I like this one. The uh, it, it, I was able to keep my attention on this one a bit longer than the others. I didn't feel like it dragged on. I felt like there wasn't as much filler, and that you know it. I, I, it was just easier to keep my attention on it. Stephen, how about you? Was this movie holding you a little bit more? Yeah, um, out of all four of these, this is the one I liked the second most. So um, it was a silly concept about a badass president fighting <laughs> a bunch of uh, terrorists. Yeah, but... you actually said at one point, how cool would it be if we actually had a president like this? But... Uh... <laughs> But um, so it wasn't a it was a silly concept, but the delivery was well enough where I didn't fucking just dismiss it. So it kept my attention throughout the film. It wasn't by no means a great film, no. but very, very average. Our lead of this film is Harrison Ford playing the role of the president of the United States. He has his family on board with them, but his main thing is that he is a former combat expert and he is able to use those skills even though he's an old man he's the president to still kick some terrorist ass and eventually take over the plane back for them what do you guys think of harrison's for harrison ford's role as the president of the united states in this movie eddie why don't you start us off harrison ford is like mel gibson who's like tom cruise you know it's who's like uh you know he, he's kind of typecast you know he's always the Usually, almost, I can't think of a movie where he's not the hero or one way or another, some sort of lovable character where you kind of root for. Um, I think he's a solid actor. I think in this movie, he has this presence. That's it. He has a presence that makes it that that makes the movie all right. It makes it it makes it okay for this movie to exist. That's. I'm not trying to. I'm, I don't want to go harsh on this movie because it's not that. It's not bad. Uh, and like everybody else said, um, I think everybody else said uh, this is the, their best movie, except for Stephen, who said it was his second favorite out of all the four. Um, and I think it's largely, largely, largely due to Harrison Ford. Stephen, what did you think of Harrison Ford's performance? I thought he played the role perfectly, given the ridiculous concept of what it was, and um, he was he pretty much just whooped people's ass. <laughs> Um, when his family was in danger, he showed emotion, he played it very well. So I've got nothing bad to say about it. John, how about you? What do you think of Harrison Ford's performance? I agree. I think he did a really good job. Um, like Steven said, he was able to go show a whole different range of emotions from stone cold to terrified for his life and his family's life. And I think, I think all in all, he did a good job. I can't really complain about it. And Tony, what do you think of Harrison Ford's performance? 
Oddly enough, I totally buy into Harrison Ford being the president. Not in real life, obviously. (laughs) But in this movie's universe, uh, the beginning of the movie, he seems like a charming president that people would have voted for. And then you give him a military background to set up the fact that he can actually do the action scenes. And then, you know what? He doesn't do anything too crazy in the movie. He's not jumping out of airplanes and, you know, uh, skydiving with no parachute and doing insane stuff like that. So realistically, eh, this wouldn't happen. But in the movie universe, Harrison Ford, perfect person to play the president. All right. And uh, other key person in this movie is Gary Oldman playing the role of our terrorist Russian villain. He takes over the plane. He spends his whole time trying to broke a deal between the Americans to release a leader that they want to be able to continue to do whatever the, the MacGuffin leader that they need released from prison, whatever it is. Gary Oldman though, I think does a tremendous job both being fearful, but also a little bit sympathetic at times, but let's go around and get what you guys think of Gary Oldman pulling off this terrorist villain. Tony, what'd you think of him? Basically the same thing that I thought of Jason Isaacs. He's either my favorite part of the movie or my second favorite part of the movie. He's awesome. Gary Oldman is one of the best actors that I think we still have going around. And every movie that I've seen him in, he commits completely to it, whether he is Commissioner Gordon or he is, you know, the fucked up Mason Verger from Hannibal or in this one. There's no questioning that he's this character in the movie. And his set pieces are actually my favorite parts. His set pieces? Anything that has to revolve around him. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like... He no, like he took like one of the chairs from Air Force One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. John, what do you think of Gary Oldman? Another Harry Potter alumni. Um, I actually really liked this character. He had a lot of layers to him. He wasn't just a typical villain. There was a lot going on in his head and with his crew. Um, I feel like he was played perfectly and that I wouldn't change a thing about him. And I think he's half of what made this movie interesting. And Steven, what'd you think about Gary Oldman as our villain? I think they could have picked a better name than Eagle. Jesus Christ. I didn't even know that was his name. <laughs> hey, that's a common Russian name. It's a fucking dumb name. It's like Olga. <laughs> we all have those names. Um, Igor. Igor? It's spelled with an E. Talking about that until Young Frankenstein. Continue. <laughs> um... But he played the role to perfection. It was very well done and probably my favorite character. And that's probably because he's the villain. And again, I like villains. And armadillos. And armadillos. Especially. <laughs> and if you could give me a villainous armadillo in his place, that's the only exception I'd make. So um, I, I liked um, the fact that I was trying to get the, uh, I can't remember the character's name, but the other Russian free. Yeah. From uh, prison. And like, the, I liked all that whole that whole story that he had um, going for him. So he was, um, it was a lot of fun. And for some reason, he really wanted that little girl to understand what he was doing. I don't know why, but he really wanted it. He just wanted to be understood. I mean, that's why I said they, they did a decent job, I think, getting in a little bit of sympathy for this character as well. It wasn't just 100% pure evil, fire good, water ba- fire bad, water good, whatever the hell I'm trying to say. There, there was layers to him, as you were saying. He, he was complex, and there was even moments where you're like, oh, so that's why he's doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me go ahead and ask you guys, out of this movie, what was your favorite scene and your least favorite scene? Eddie, why don't you start us off? 
No, no, I'm going to talk about Gary Oldman because I didn't get to do it. Oh, I'm a dick again. I'm sorry, dude. Please. <laughs> it's cool, man. It's cool. Um, no, I'll be brief on Gary Oldman. Um, he's awesome. He's, I think, his method. Um, and I mean, those actors, uh, they pull it off always. And Gary Oldman is no exception. He kicks ass. Period. Um, there's just one thing about him being sympathetic at times, like uh, Tony mentioned. Uh, I think the movie was, you know, it was it was it was all American. It was about you know rooting for the president, you know, Air Force One, go U.S., you know, go team. But you know, you don't you don't know what really happened to him. You don't know what was the, the deal. You know, with trying to make uh, you know whatever the president's daughter Alice, I think was her name, trying to make Alice understand uh, why he was doing what he was doing. You know, I mean, what I understood from his performance is that evidently his family was killed by guerrilla, by you know, guerrilla paramilitary uh, armies or, um, or, or I don't know, some sort of Russian invasion or whatever. Because that region, here's the thing, that region has a lot of conflict, mm. you know, Chechnya and whatever else. So the movie's kind of bittersweet because if you know a little bit about this, you know that the, you know, um, I don't want to spoil our fourth of july party but you know the u.s is not really the good guy sometimes uh when it comes to what yeah blasphemous but at the same time it's sort of <laughs> kind of true and the movie tries to show us this in a very subtle way it's like hey this guy is like this because of a certain reason and he and he actually says it in the movie so i'm not gonna repeat it here um but um and then you mentioned what was our what was the question you asked then um the favorite scene your favorite or, your least favorite scene in the movie my favorite scene, dude. The movie was kind of solid, you know. You can't. I, I don't. Want, I'm not gonna pick a f- one favorite, but I think the, I think the the whole crisis going on in the in the, in the White House is actually pretty neat, you know. Like the, you know, it, one wrong decision in there could have changed the outcome completely. You know, they could have taken the, they could have gunned down Air Force One or something. You know, it was it was, it was, it was the tension was all in the White House. Air Force One was where all the where all the action happened. And my least favorite scene is just I, I I'm not a fan of cheesy stuff. I'm just not, you know, like when he goes to cut the wires, you know, he's like the red, white, and blue are not the ones to cut, you know. Like, <laughs> that's just uh, you know, like <laughs> I just don't dig. Otherwise, I dig, I dig, I dug the you know, get off my plane, which to, which to this day I like saying, but I can never really apply it properly. Yeah, there's, there's no proper timing to say. Get yeah, off I, my I plane. can never find a time in my life to. <laughs> Say that, but one day I'm gonna have it though. I swear. Yeah, just walk into work and like, oh hey, Eddie, get off my plane. What? <laughs> <laughs> but one day it's gonna happen, and like banners are gonna drop from the sky, and balloons and pigeons are gonna Cherubs be released. Will sing. <laughs> oh yeah, fireworks, the whole thing. Just reminds me of that fucking. Uh, it's another movie where he's trying to start a slow clap throughout the whole movie, <laughs> and he finally gets his opportunity, and someone takes it from him. That's oh. not gonna happen to you. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Steven, why don't you uh, why don't you take over that? What was your favorite scene, your least favorite scene of Air Force One? My least favorite scene was actually what he mentioned, where he, where he's just got, when he's doing the wires and he goes, come on, red, white, and blue. I was like, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> Bad. Um, my favorite, it was just so ludicrous that they just fucking zip-tied in from one plane to another. Oh, yeah. <laughs> zip-tying. That'd be zip- funnier. <laughs> <laughs> he zip-tied someone and just fucking push him. That'd be awesome. But um, yeah, it was um, that was probably my favorite scene. But that fucking whole wire cutting one was so. Whoever written that was a douche. <laughs> Jada, your uh, your favorite and least favorite. 
Honestly, my least favorite is the wire scene. Wow. Not quite for the same reason. I love how he's on the phone with this guy, and this guy's, like, walking through it step by step, and he only gets one step out out of, like, four or five steps. He only gets one step out before the phone cuts out from low battery, and the guy's like, well, guess I just have to guess it, and he happens to guess right. And I'm like, really? Really? It's amazing that the whole plane didn't just crash. Like, that is not realistic at all. You at least get him through, like, half the steps before doing that. Or even to, like, the very last step where you have to guess between two wires. But really, he had to guess four or five wires? That's ridiculous. That wouldn't that wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite, it's really hard to say because, like Steven said, it's a really solid, and that wasn't Steven, sorry. It's a really it solid, Eddie. it was Eddie, yeah. Yeah. It's a really, really solid movie. It's hard to pick a favorite, but I would probably say... Um, the rescue or the part where they blew up that one girl's head. Oh. <laughs> it, it really uh, showed the intensity and how um, he really didn't have much going for him at the time, even though he finally found a weapon. He probably hardly had any ammo and he had to save it. And it just showed the intensity and how important it was for him to not come out at that point, even though somebody's life was in danger. And, and I think it also set the stakes. As I don't know if you had touched on that, but up to that point, anybody they shot, it was in an action scene of sorts. So, you know, people were just dying as a regular casualty. This was the only person he just shot cold blood, point blank, no need to kill that defensive person whatsoever. That was kind of where shit really hit the fan in that movie. So I'm, I'm glad you pointed that scene out there. Tony, what about you? What was your favorite and least favorite scenes of the movie? Well, supposedly, just to touch upon that real fast, they filmed the actual shot of her getting shot in the head, and test audiences reacted too negatively to it. It bothered them too much, so that's why they cut away. Yeah. That's kind of uh, something that makes sense, too, because one of my least favorite parts of the movie was the fact that like a lot of these people died, and it seemed a little bit senseless. Uh, my least favorite scene of the movie is actually the zipline scene, and it's partially because it's ridiculous and partially because it seemed unnecessary that William H. Macy needed to die in that scene. That was just like one extra death for the sake of it. Not that I really cared about his character, but the way that they pulled that off, it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, and this guy dies too. Like, side note that they forgot to kill him off when they were writing the movie, and they were just like, ah, shit, there you go. He, he dies in the scene instead. Um, another thing to throw out there, and this is, I can't say it's my least favorite scene because at the time that it was released, it wouldn't have been, but in retrospect, the CGI is so terrible in this movie oh they're, <laughs> where they're shooting uh, missiles and you can tell that they're cartoon missiles and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> but you can't fault a movie for not being able to do stuff that it does now. So, um. Well, shit, yeah, for its time, it was good. That plane crash. Right. I mean, you look yeah. at that plane crash now, you could definitely tell how CGI it is. But at the time, right. that blew my mind when I saw that plane crash. Yeah, dude, I had, like, goosebumps. I was like, whoa, how did they shoot this? They got a real plane? <laughs> right. Like, at that at that time period when this movie came out, that was great. So you can't fault it. Uh, script-wise, you can still fault stuff because that doesn't change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, hang on a second. And uh, I thought it was so gratuitous. How that security guy just in the end is like, no, I'm the bad guy. You know like, <laughs> Right. I'm the bad guy, so I'm going to kill William H. Macy because he hasn't gotten killed yet. Yeah. Like, he could have um, easily just, like, ziplined with the president. I doubt, like, the weight factor would have been so terrible because, I mean, it's like steel cable or whatever. And my you know. favorite scene of the movie, 
is either the setup again, which is kind of weird, uh, of just uh, Harrison Ford being a normal president, or any of the interrogations – not interrogation scenes, uh, the hostage scenes with Gary Oldman. I liked when he would come into that big conference room and just assert his authority and just kind of be like, you're all fucked, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I'm going to help Batman out in a couple of years. But I'm still uh, – <laughs> You know, I, I enjoyed the movie. I still think that um, I would have enjoyed it more back in the day, but it was fun. So here's my fun fact for this movie. Randy Newman was originally hired to write the score for the film. However, after a few demos, they realized that all of his songs sounded way too silly, and they hired someone else to do the job. <laughs> and that someone else is awesome. Could you imagine Randy Newman scoring this movie? No. Harrison Ford. Gonna get a gun. <laughs> you don't got a friend in me. Don't cut the red, white, and blue wires. <laughs> and oh, funny enough, American. a lot of the songs that he wrote for this movie, Randy Newman, that is, that didn't get used, he would later go on to use for Toy Story 3. I thought when I was watching Toy Story 3 that <laughs> something sounded presidential, didn't it? <laughs> the contrast is like, wow. Yeah. No, but dude, seriously, Jerry Goldsmith is an amazing composer, was an amazing composer, and um, he did some stuff with Star Trek and several movies, and they were always, like, really, really intense, but without being, you know, too cliche about it. He has a very subtle approach, but it's always there. You go, you can tell, you know. Uh, I believe a, a number of songs for this movie would actually eventually be used for a lot of actual presidential things. I believe uh, Clinton came out to one of the songs from it at some point. Uh, George Bush, the, one of the final songs played for his presidency, was one of the songs out of this movie. And, of course, you'll hear him all the time at various fireworks displays and stuff like that. So, in a way, the soundtrack for this movie has almost become more ingrained in American culture than the movie itself has. Well, sure I mean, George it's Bush very majestic. Toy Stories themes. Oh, was that, Eddie? Uh, it's, just, it's very majestic as a whole. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, let's uh, let's wrap this one up. Let's get your final rating on Air Force One and tell us, did it make you feel American pride? Jonna, why don't you start us off? I'd give it about a six, maybe maybe a seven, six and a half. <laughs> uh, it was solid. I don't have a lot of complaints about it. There were a few parts that were a bit silly, but um, part of me wonders if that's just because it's a little dated compared to now. Hmm. Um I I don't know if it makes me proud to be an American. It just seemed like a very isolated incident. So it's hard to say if it really made me feel American. Like the, the Patriot made me feel American because like a bigger thing was at stake, like all of the United States. But uh, in this one, it was one plane full of people. And while those people are important, it's not exactly the fate of the entire country at stake. You know? and, and they said that a number of times in this movie. It's like, well, what's the big deal about having these 50 people die to save the thousands of lives that would die if we release this prisoner? Yeah. I was thinking that the whole time, too. Like, yeah, OK, it's the president. You have a vice president. And OK, it's Glenn Close. That kind of sucks. But you got people in place. Exactly. The country will go on. But Stephen, your final rating, and did this movie make you feel American pride? Um, I'd give it a five. It was an average movie. And, meh, it was just an isolated incident that wouldn't have mattered if he died or not, or if they had overcome <laughs> it. So. <laughs> All right. Um, one thing I forgot to comment on during this movie, which I found ridiculous, is the sound effects for the punching and the guns. <laughs> Oh, you know, you know, you know, like when Cartman's playing guns in South Park, and he's going pew pew pew. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> 
No, Kenny, it's not pew pew. It's it's not pew pew pew. So it's that type of shit. And when there's punching each other, you hear like. Which is hilarious because I'm pretty sure this movie won an Academy Award for sound design. Oh my god, (laughs) terrible. I'm sure it was great for its time, but now we look back at it and we just giggle. I remember. I remember Titanic won in '98, but '97 Air Force One. I gotta look that up. Yeah, take take a look. Confirm that for us, Tony. What's your uh, what's your final rating though for this while Eddie's doing that? No, I, I can't. Say... My computer's all messed up. Sorry, oh, well, I can't. I'll look. Yeah, I'll look it up, please. I would say about the same as the Patriot. Although I think that the Patriot's a better movie, this is definitely more fun. And uh, I'm waiting for Invasion USA sequel, One Man Army, but I'm also waiting for the sequel to this, Air Force Two. <laughs> I think it'll be so much better. Dude, if they could do a Titanic two, why the hell not? Yeah, we had Saw 2, we had, uh, you know, um, I'm pretty sure that there's a bunch of sequels to those Friday movies, and it wasn't just, like, Saturday and Sunday, so you could do Air Force 3, I heard there's even a Matrix 2. <laughs> and if they could do Ocean's 12? Yeah. <laughs> and 22 Jump Street right now, so you could do Air Force 2, 3, Air Force 4. Air Force but you could make it even better, you could Air Force 4. And the four, so you can make it like a four. They can do that kind of stupid crap that they usually do with movies now. You're not allowed anywhere near Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, they would end up taking these ideas and running with it. I'm like, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't do it. <laughs> nope, too bad. We're going with Air Force with a four. God. So, yeah, fun movie. All right, Eddie, your final rating. And did this movie make you feel proud of America? Uh, Final rating, I'll give it a... I, I, I'd give it a six. It was pretty. Um, it was cool. It was average. Um, but uh, for some reason, I don't know. I, th- I thought that something as uh, preposterous as yeah, the president, you know, being an action hero. Yeah, it actually worked out. And I think Harrison Ford pulled it off. Um, pride, no, <laughs> because there are certain things that. I, I mean, we, you know, like, like sort of know that. I mean, okay, look at Tony's uh, analysis of the Patriot. Like, who is the Patriot? Is it Mel Gibson or is it that Isaac dude? Right? Who is who is truly the Patriot in that in that occasion? You can dispute as to who is the terrorist or who's not. It it really depends on depends on a point of view. Oh, we're who is Air Force One? They do say at the end when they go to the other plane that that's Air Force One. <laughs> So this yeah. is really the origin story of that other plane that they took to. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and I'm sorry, Eddie. What was your what was your rating on it? Uh, six. Six? Yeah, not bad. Yeah, not bad. Um, and by the way, the awards it was nominated for was actually best sound mixing and best film editing, which it actually. Did oh my not god, win the mixing either. was so bad. No, no, the mixing was shit. I had to wear earphones, and yet, uh, like the explosion was super loud. The sound effects were all over the place, and no, I thought it was crappy. Maybe it was just and, a bad. And, and then whatever, like uh, Gary Oldman is talking softly, you could barely freaking hear it because yeah. he's like mumbling. Yeah, I, we maybe, actually maybe. had our TV on a hundred, like the max volume, because I couldn't hear the fucking president speak, and I couldn't hear. And the worst part is, we'd have it at a hundred just so we could hear people talking, but every ten minutes there would be a um, fucking plane. To go, yeah, there'd be a plane going. <laughs> we'd, we'd be like, oh my god, it hurts. But we wouldn't be, turn it, it down be because just... we needed to hear people talk to understand what was going on. But vroom, every ten minutes. Yeah, but it could be it could be just a bad DVD mix because there's the original movie mix, which is what the Oscar, you know, Academy Award people base themselves off of. 
in that case, it might be true. If you watch it in the movie theater, it could have been great. But I, I think, you know, watching a DVD, it's just – it's lousy as hell. It, it, that could be it. Um, but the fact is it didn't win. It did lose to Titanic on both of those awards, as it probably should have anyway. It was also uh, nominated alongside Con Air, which had some great sound in it as well. But that's another movie for another day. With that, we're going to wrap up, talk about Air Force One. Our next movie we're going to be talking about is Team America World Police. We're going to be taking a little break on the live feed. If you are in the archive version, be sure to hit next to that next video, and we'll hook up with you guys in just a moment. I moved out to Langley recently with a plain and simple dream. Wanna infiltrate some third world place and topple their regime. Those men in black with their mansion suitcases Where everything's on a need-to-know basis Agents got that swagger Everyone's so cloak and dagger I'm feeling nervous but I'm really kinda wishing For an undercover mission That's when the red alert came on the radio And I put my earpiece on Got my dark sunglasses on And I had my weapon drawn So I get my handcuffs, my cyanide pills My classified Shredding the files like yeah. And then my rise, all the enemy's spies. I gotta neutralize today. Yeah, it's a party in the CIA. Yeah, it's a party in the CIA. And we're back on the For Real Movie Club on Mega Powers Radio and archived on fanboysanonymous.com. If you're just joining us, we are doing American Pride. And we have just covered the Patriot Invasion USA and Air Force One. Now it's time to make things a little lighter. We're going to talk about Team America World Police. Movie made by the South Park dudes, Matt Stone and Trey Parker. Featuring marionette puppets represented as the American police force going across the world, fighting terrorists, and fighting for all that is good and American. (laughs) This is uh, very different from the other movies we watched. So I think this is going to be a big change in our conversation here so let me go around and ask you guys the starting question i always what was the initial impression after watching team america world police eddie why don't you start us off in that one oh it was a okay i first saw it back in i don't know was it 2005 or something like that i don't know i didn't even know when it when did it come out this movie came out in 2004 2005, one of those two, somewhere around there. You're, yeah, you're there, okay, yeah. I'll, I'll say 2005, 2006, something like that. I watched it, and I thought it was hilarious because it was just puppets. I mean, it was just like <laughs> these silly, like kind of like Barbie dolls, sort of, but like on a string. And I'm like, there's no way you can see the strings throughout the whole movie. You can see the strings throughout the whole movie. Ah, it's a joke. And it's funny as hell. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then when they try, when the characters try to walk, like, follow me. <laughs> Silly, ridiculous, dude. I said, okay, Trey Parker and Matt Stone are two comedy geniuses, and uh, I think they, they made it in this movie, this particular kind of format. They made it work because it's so silly. But this is not a, a thing you see happen too often. There are tons of movies made with marionette puppets for a reason. Uh, this movie was based on a television show. I think it was called Thunderbirds. It was actually a BBC yeah. show. You would know about this, Wago. Yeah, uh, that show was boring as shit. And it, it was done the same way. It had the, the puppets, but it was this more like space exploration show, I think it was. Uh, but it was just lots and lots of talk. Uh, so Wago definitely would have hated it if it's filled with talk. But Wago, why don't you take over? Your, what's your initial thoughts about this? I've got him going south on Buckalucka Ducker Street. 
<laughs> I fucking love this movie, and that's just because I'm a huge South Park fan. And it's South Park with puppets. There's no real way to explain it. And as far as Matt Stone and Trey Parker goes, I just get their humor. Uh, fucking Orgasmo, whatever it was called, that they made as well. That was one as well. So these guys knocked it out of the park. Um, the mu- They're a big fan of the music, and like... They, if you watch the South Park movie, it's just a big musical, pretty much what this was too. The comedy was golden, the puppets were hilarious, and this was my favorite out of the four. And I saw this back when it first came out, and I've rewatched it several times, and it's actually one of my favorite films. John, how about you? What was your initial reaction to watching this? Well, the initial reaction was, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> but then I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I was glad I watched it. I didn't watch it until much later, actually, after marrying Stephen. So it, I waited a while after it came out, but I really, really liked it. It's just the stupid kind of humor that you just sometimes need. Tony, wrap us up. What was your initial thoughts on that? I originally didn't want to see this movie back when it came out, and I'm a big fan of the South Park series, but I hate puppet stuff. I think it's stupid. And I foolishly thought that that would be something that I didn't like about this movie, but I was eventually convinced to see it. And the opening shot of the film where they're showing marionette puppets and it looks terrible and it pans out to show like this glorious world of other puppets (laughs) (laughs) completely won me over. And from then on throughout the whole rest of the movie, I fucking love this movie. It's so goddamn funny. Well, we touched about it a number of times. The big gimmick of this movie is, of course, the use of marionette puppets. A very interesting decision by Matt and Trey Parker. This was, I think, the second major movie they did after the South Park movie. I forget where Orgasmo falls in that timeline, but that wasn't a big 1997. Release. That wasn't a yeah, big release. And so was... they did Basketball. That also, I think that came after, didn't it? Uh, basketball came out in 99, something like no. that. Well, that wasn't too big either. This was... I remember I remember seeing a trailer for this during one of those big summer blockbuster movies. So this had a lot of oomph put behind it. And again, the use of puppets is just really bold. And I think they took that uniqueness and just ran with it so damn well. Because if you put a puppet movie in the hands of someone like, I don't know, the Wayans brothers, it would just be so goddamn stupid. But these guys, they did it. So let me ask you guys specifically, what did you think of the use of puppets and how well did they do with it? And what were some of your favorite puppet jokes? So, Tony, you already had the big claim on that. So why don't you go ahead and run with the puppets? Uh, Eddie mentioned the way that they walk is something specifically that was funny. And uh, another thing in the opening is when they build up this idea of the two are going to have this karate fight. And it's just the two kind of mashed up next to each other. <laughs> that kind of stuff's so great. There's another one that um, probably a lot of people wouldn't pay that much attention to because it's not, you know, over the top hilarious. But uh, I had forgotten about it, and rewatching it made me laugh when Lisa goes to point at um, Gary's heart and says, "Like, oh, you've got it here," or something like that. And she's like struggling to get the arm to stretch that far. <laughs> There's so many fucking jokes that are great about that. Jonna, what did you think about the use of puppets? I love the use of puppets. I think that there were a lot of jokes in there that they would have been funny without the puppets, but the puppets just made them even more hilarious. Like, I like when the guy that runs the force is just like, or walk this way or follow me this way, and he just, like, kind of prances out of the room. Or when uh, Lisa goes, after they have sex, she goes to shush him, and the first time she shushes his mouth, and then the second time she shushes his eyeball. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and the sex was just even more awkward because of the fact that it was puppets. But it made it hilariously awkward instead of that weird awkward feeling you get when you're in the movie theater watching real people have sex on the movie theater screen oh. with a bunch of people around you. Oof. Thank goodness there wasn't a sex scene in The Patriot. That's all I'm saying. Oh. <laughs> you would have fucking done it with the American flag draped over him. <laughs> Freedom! <laughs> Steven, what what'd you think of the puppets? Oh, it was fucking ridiculously awesome. Um, the sex scene was so stupid, and when they, um, I forgot what the darker-haired puppet's called, who was with the blonde guy. I don't know. But, um... Yeah, they fucking end up uh, with the pan, uh, the pamphlets or whatever they call them, and it's just two giant fucking cats. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and they fucking end up eating the other two, um, uh, whatever actors had them tied up. Oh, the but, fags. Yeah, fag. <laughs> but, um, and obviously they'd stuff the fucking puppets with meat or something, because the cats would just rip them to shreds. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. I thought that was fantastic. Genius use of the cats. Eddie, wrap us up on this. What'd you think of the puppets? It was awesome, man. Uh, at first, also, I, I mean, I heard so much about the movie that I went out and I, I bought the DVD. Like it was like 2006 or so. So I was like, okay, I was like, dude, so this is like puppets or what? It's like a cartoon. I don't get it. It's like, yeah, it's puppets. It's really funny. I'm like, really? I was like, whatever, man. I was like really bored. So I was like, sure, let's watch this crap. I'll probably. And it won me over, and it was like one joke after the other. Like the cat thing was so awesome, but the funniest thing was the sex scene to me. It just it was really funny. It was like it was to me it, that was funny as a sex scene, and then the MacGruber sex scene was really funny. If you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's there's one other thing that I really want to point out. I don't know if it's necessarily related to puppets, but I think it's something that you could only do in this kind of movie with the puppets. Was when he comes out of the bar and he yeah. starts vomiting. <laughs> yeah. And like at first I was like, oh my god, this is going on so long. Fucking cut it already. And I thought it was gonna be one of those things I really hated. But but by the end, when he's just like, and it's like all over the fucking place. <laughs> yeah. And then that's, the, that's just way too much vomit. And then he and passes the music, out and, the and it zooms out and it's like. It's him in a puddle that's like five times the size of his body. <laughs> it's one of those family guy jokes that has gone for way too long that it actually gets funnier. Yeah. Oh, well, at first it was getting more and more annoying, and I was like, okay, when is this going to And then finally, there was some breaking point where it started getting funnier and funnier, and then by the when end, I was in stitches. It's burning out of his mouth like a sprinkler system. That's when it kind of. Well, it's funny you bring that up because that's actually one of my high points of the whole film is the music is so realistic for this genre. And I've used the word earnest before in uh, – I forget it was The Patriot or something like that. But they score this film as if it's completely serious. Right, so well, during well, that well, scene, you know, you've got this obviously ridiculous vomiting that happens forever, and it, it's building up this like it, – it's the, the equivalent of like this big triumph or something like that of just like yeah. you, you get a little bit of a, a dip down, and then it's just like the da-da-da. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, like it's uh, like it's a moment of uh, epiphany, you know. Yeah, that's <laughs> what it sounded like. And to be fair, he went back to Mount Rushmore after he puked. Right. So yeah, it's like the, that over the top ridiculousness, and they the score is so perfect for this movie for that because I uh, I think it's Harry Gregson Williams does the music in it, and he's a part of the camp that works with Hans Zimmer and like Steve Jablonski who does the Transformers movies and all that. So they have a very similar style and. Everybody, whether it's those guys or Craig Armstrong, 
you can kind of um, if you like one, you're, you'll like the rest of them. And I love this soundtrack just by itself. And without thinking of this movie and the jokes that happen in the movie, I can listen to that and imagine something from like a, I don't know, like a face-off or something like that. And it would work in those movies. So that's what helps keep this serious but over-the-top ridiculous kind of uh, joke system that they've got going on in this movie. If it didn't have that music and it was played up to be silly and stupid – I don't think a lot of the jokes would have hit as much. There was actually a no, fight definitely. between Matt Stone and Trey Parker and some of the executives where they wanted to have a sillier soundtrack. It's like, no, this this needs to be deadpan, serious music to back us up. Right. But that actually transfers me into the next thing I wanted to talk about, which was the soundtrack for the movie. Not only do you have this excellent score, but as often that the South Park guys do, they are excellent at writing comedy music. And I think that's something people often overlook as one of their talents. Um, Steven mentioned the South Park movie being pretty much a musical hell. They even have actually written a Broadway musical now with the book of mormon number of south park episodes have great music in it in this one we had the iconic theme music america fuck yeah uh there's that pearl harbor sucks song which is supposed to be like the sad love song but it's just going on about how terrible that movie was Um, junior was the best part (laughs) um just so much greatness let me go around get your guys opinion on the music and the soundtrack for the movie tony since you already started up there why don't you finish off any other thoughts you had on it uh, you mentioned the Pearl Harbor Sucks one, which I thought was hilarious when I saw it. Uh, I really dug Everyone Has AIDS. That's another yeah. one of my favorites. But, I love how they called it Lease instead of Run. Right. <laughs> I got to say, though, my favorite out of all of the songs is the sad theme of America. <laughs> I think they actually refer to that on the soundtrack as uh, America Fuck Yeah Bummer Mix. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> oh, God. The music is so... I, I, I just remember the first time I saw that when they, they're they all sad and they're starting to come out of Mount Rushmore with all their planes and I hear the piano playing. I was like, please, please tell me someone's going to say America, fuck yeah, but all morose. And then it comes in and does it. It's like, yes, satisfaction. <laughs> so happy, so happy for that. Uh, Tony, any other thoughts you want to throw on that? No, I'll leave everything else to everybody else. Okay. Eddie, why don't you take over? What'd you think about the soundtrack? Uh, I'll tell you this. There's a bar next to where I lived in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And uh, every Thursday was karaoke night. And uh, every time I was there on a Thursday, there was always someone who requested the America Fuck Yeah song. <laughs> always. Every single week, somebody would sing that song. That's how iconic that soundtrack has become. I'll, I'll leave it at that. It's just flawless. It's serious. When it's serious, it's it's wonderful because it fits, and uh, the funny songs are funny. So <laughs> it's awesome, pure awesome. Jana, how about you? What do you like about the soundtrack in this? Well, the funny thing is, if you took out the lyrics, you could actually use a lot of these songs in actual action movies and romance movies and things like that. If you actually took out the lyrics and just used the score, it would be perfect. But they are just obscenely good at everything they do when it comes to music. And I think that it was absolutely perfect and I wouldn't change a single thing about it. Just, it was so beautiful. Especially like you said, the bummer mix. I love the bummer mix so much. (laughs) Steven, wrap us up. what did you think about the music? I love montage. Oh my God, the montage. I yeah. don't know if that's a South Park original or an America original because they've actually used it in South Park too. They, yeah, they used it in the uh, the Aspen episode, I believe. Yeah, so I don't know. Um, 
what it was made for, but I fucking love that song so much. <laughs> Wonderful. Because <laughs> it, it's like, it just takes the piss out of all these montages you're seeing, like Rocky. Even Rocky like, had a montage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's show a lot of things happening at once to remind everyone what's going on. What's going on? Every scene gets a little bit better. <laughs> to show it all won't take too long. That's called a montage. I fucking love it. It was just so taking the piss. It always fade out in a montage. Always <laughs> fade out more time. Seems like it's past in a montage. <laughs> so, it was so ridiculous. I love that song so much. Um, I just thought I'd bring that one up because no one's mentioned it. But generally, South Park hit it nail on the head and it wasn't as good as their music they did for the South Park movie but it fucking comes close alright guys let's hit uh, the big question here what was your favorite scene from the movie and your least favorite scene from the movie Eddie start us off man uh, the sex scene was really funny man <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny and the, uh, the like now you will be eaten by Kim Jong Il's Panthers and then these two cats come <laughs> Oh, oh, also the part where he's, like, contemplating, like, like, oh, you can join us or there's the door. And he just leaves, and then he, <laughs> con- and then he contemplates, like, what, how does the song go? Freedom isn't free or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then they have him standing next to these monuments, like, dude, that was, like, that's the awesome thing where they blur, like, reality with uh, the puppets. And, and those are pretty much my favorite scenes. As far as my least favorite scenes, I don't know. Um, there are times where it gets really old, like, you know, the whole, like, Jihad, Akbar, Muhammad, blah, 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 blah. It's funny in the beginning, and then, like, as the movie, the movie goes on, it's just like, okay, I get it. You but get it, Jihad, jokes. Muhammad, Jihad, we get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I wish there was a little more elabor- elaboration on that on that behalf. Um, Kim Jong-il's a dick. Um, they showed that well enough. And, uh, oh, one last thing that was fucking awesome, the cockroach that comes out of his mouth. <laughs> There's actually a song I don't know if you guys heard in the credits that they don't play during the film, and it's called Your Useless Eric Baldwin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's really funny is I was reading an interview, or no, I was reading a clip from an interview while researching this, where Alec Baldwin was talking about how a lot of his daughter's friends love the movie, and whenever he would piss off his daughter and her friends in some way, they would go, "Oh, you're useless to me, Alec Baldwin." <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for our, uh, Matt Damon's friends. <laughs> well, also, what I was reading is that Alec Baldwin and Matt Damon, those two names specifically, are actually good friends with Matt Stone and Trey Parker. So I'm thinking, I'm head like, oh, so that's why they got it the hardest. Right. <laughs> Poor Matt Damon. They just ripped him to shreds. Yeah, he didn't get as bad as Michael Moore. Well, they, okay. Well, everyone hates Michael Moore. But, um, so, Stephen, why don't you take over your favorite scene, least favorite scene? I don't have a least favorite scene. I love every part of this movie, and I don't have a bad thing to say about it. Um, if I would, I'd be purposely trying to nitpick, so I'm not going to bother. Uh, as far as favorite scene goes, shit, it's hard to pick. But um, you know the one where he's uh, giving the speech about his goats dying. <laughs> um, he's fucking trying to convince them that he's a terrorist, and he's like, "Ah, oh, yeah, and the Americans they killed my goats, and I could hear them screaming and crying out in pain." <laughs> My favorite is at the end of that speech when he's like, so I put a jihad on them. And if you don't believe me, I'll put a jihad on you, too. I like you. You have balls. I like balls. (laughs) Pussy dick ass. That did it for me. 
Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the too. pushy big ass speech was fucking <laughs> awesome. And uh, I forgot to mention it during the song, but the whole scene is uh, I'm so, so lonely. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to mention that one. That was fucking <laughs> awesome. He was uh, Kim Jong Il's uh, character is just so over the top and funny as hell. And it was funny because me and John were sitting in a doctor's office once, and there was a guy that was been waiting forever, and he goes, "Ah, oh, fifty mirrors! I've been waiting here fifty mirrors." He sounded exactly like and him. And he had every right <laughs> to be mad. He really did. Like and, we we acknowledge that, but but as soon as he fucking started talking to him, I'm like, dude, Kim Jong Il's in the fucking doctor's <laughs> office. <laughs> to this day, like I, I told I don't know how it started, but I went to go walk down the stairs to get something, and Steve's like, "Oh, you take forever. It's been fifty minutes." Oh my god! This so was back fucking, before he and I were even dating. This was years ago. I like uh, so Kim Jong Il's character is fucking fantastic. Yeah. There's a lot of scenes that I've actually mentioned previously, but those are a couple that stood out. All right. Uh, Jonna, why don't you take over? What was your favorite and least favorite scenes? I'm with Steve. If I were to pick a least favorite, I'd be nitpicking. Like, I really cannot pin anything down and say I really didn't like the scene. Um, I have scenes I liked more than others, but I can't really say that there's a certain scene that I don't like. Uh, I love the Panthers more than anything. At one point, they were just, like, licking at it, so you could tell there's definitely <laughs> just domesticated house cats. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's just, and when, the first time I ever saw that movie, the mummy's like, "See how you deal with my panthers?" And I'm like, "It's gonna be house cats, isn't it?" Sure enough, there's house cats. Like, yes, please be house cats, and it was. I was it's, so happy about that. It's funny we've said that like three or four times where we see the predictable joke coming, yeah. but then we still get excited and happy when the predictable joke well, comes. That's because the predictable joke that we want is so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's beautiful, and I love the I'm So Ronery song. I work at a Japanese market, and they really do have difficulties pronouncing their L's, but it's so overstated to the point where you can tell it's a parody, and it's so overstated that you you want to laugh and punch them in the face at the same time, and it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. I love it. <laughs> uh, Tony? Your favorite, at least favorite scenes from Team America World Police. I got to echo what everybody else said. I can't pick a least favorite scene. If I had to gun to my head, I'd probably say the Bucko 5 song. Mm. Outside of the very ending, because I do like how it's just like, oh, Bucko 5. <laughs> <laughs> but if that if there's any part in the movie that drags a little bit, it might be that one. But that's really nitpicking. Um Favorite scene, I mean, we mentioned a lot of them. I do really like the, the Durka Durka Muhammad Jihad thing, especially the response back when he says that, and the guy just goes, oh, Durka Durka Durka. <laughs> 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 um, I love little touches like, um, that's bad intelligence. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the cat one, I probably would have liked the cat stuff a lot more if it would have been an armadillo, but... Um... <laughs> I love intelligence is gone. I repeat, we have no intelligence. Yeah. No shit, you know, huh? But I I just really love how they hit it so hard of these uh, parodying these movies down to like little lines. You know, Lisa says to um, Sarah, I think her name is, just something as simple as they would have thrown in one of these movies where she's like, I treasure your friendship. And it's so lame. And it's exactly what they would say. Or yeah, uh, there's, one, there's, one, there's one. That's like, uh, wait, uh, what was it? Uh, um, sometimes believing is all you have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or, um, I promise I will never die. Or he's going to fire his translator and then kills the translator. <laughs> 
even the character of Chris alone, everything Chris says in the movie is so fantastic. The idea of I'm going to cut off your balls and shove them up your ass, so when you shit, you shit all over your balls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, fuck you, actor, and all this. Like, you always that have that like one I'm character. Just open your rights, you're going to beg for a left. Right. Oh, oh, that's so stupid. The reason he's such an asshole is that he got raped by Cats the Musical. <laughs> So they just hit the nail on the head with everything in this movie parodying those films that they make fun of, and you got to love it. All right, guys, we got one last thing to talk about with Team America World Police, and that is, of course, our final rating, and did it make you feel proud of America? Tony, why don't you start us off with that one? Probably out of everything, this made me feel the most proud because it's so over-the-top and ridiculous and making fun of ourselves, and that's one of the best things that we can possibly do in anything in the world. Um my rating? All right, well, if you're looking at it through the scope of should it be an Oscar-nominated film or something like that, obviously that's not the same as whether or not I liked it. Oscar-worthy, of course, it's not going to get to a top thing, but as far as just me as a moviegoer enjoying this or whatever, probably a, a 9 out of 10. Wow. I love this movie. I think it's fantastic. I think that's probably the highest rating we've ever gotten on the four-wheel movie. I think Stand By Me got a couple nines last month. Yeah. But aside I, from that, that's that's really high. The entertainment quality of Team America is the equivalent of how good Stand By Me is. I'll put it that way. There you go. Eddie, your final rating for Team America World Police, and did it make you feel pride in America? Uh, I'll, give you, I'll give it a six, and I'll tell you why. Because I'll probably watch it again only in about like six years or something. Because I mean, it's funny. The first time I saw it was hilarious, but the, there's no, there's no, to me, there's no replay value. You know, like I'm not gonna go back and watch it tomorrow or next week or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's a cool movie. It's just, it's, it's a silly, very silly kind of like, like shot in the dark parody that worked. You know, but that's all it is. You know, it's not, it's not. A, I don't think it's a genuine work of art. But I'll tell, I'll tell you where the genius is. And um. And uh, this is tied in with the whole uh, is it patriotic or not. Uh, I think Matt uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker are geniuses mm-hmm. because they make so much fun of everything in American culture. Um, sometimes they do it with style. Sometimes they do it like it's downright scatological. And sometimes, you know, it kind of makes you think. I mean, Team America blew the shit out of half the planet half, all, the, you know, all the time. So... Um, I don't know. It kind of makes you think, like, okay, is you know the world police really good for the world, or is it like you know just like doing what Air Force One was, you know, Harrison Ford was doing in Air Force One, going after terrorists regardless of the cost. Um, but yeah, it makes you kind of patriotic, thinking like, wow, you know, the U.S. is actually responsible for a lot of what goes on in the world. So of course, it kind of makes you go, yeah, we're top of the food chain. Following up a little bit what you're saying there, Eddie, one thing that a lot of people don't realize with this movie is it's making fun of a lot of those world police tactics that America has. But yeah. yet, throughout this movie, there is not a single joke poking fun at the president of the United States of America, who at the time, George W. Bush, a lot of people were making fun of that guy. They specifically avoided any jokes about him because they said it was too easy. Yeah. So I mean, they, it was they a stayed creative that with other you things. Went. Everywhere you went. <laughs> I mean, you know, rock bands were releasing uh, albums that were um, concept albums, you know, like, oh, anti-war, anti-violence, whatever. Um, so it makes sense. I think uh, they, they're not going to do the easy thing. They would never want to do the easy thing. 
So um, they, they, they kicked ass in this whole way. You know, in, in their criticism, they kicked ass. And, and to follow again. up your other point, you were saying um, it's, it's a lot of one-note jokes about these puppets, and that definitely is something that's going to hold as much rewatchability because there's no quotables. Like a lot of comedies have those things that you're going to quote in everyday conversation. Hell, we were even talking about how we want to quote Get Off My Plane from Air Force One. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's not really a lot of those from this movie. Yeah, I mean, there, there are some comedy movies that you can totally watch, you know, at least like once a year, right? I mean, because mm-hmm. you, some, I mean, you oh, know, yeah, the like Slam and Salmon or Superbad or something like that. Dumb I can Dumb watch those awesome. constantly. Dumb and Dumber is another good one. The only yeah. quote I can think of would be, I'm so ronery. That's it. <laughs> Steve says it all the time. So, but that's really the only quote I can think of. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I, I actually, now that you say that, I think I do remember using that one myself. But yeah, besides that, it's not filled with them. I mean, there's a lot of funny lines, and if we're sitting here talking about it, we're going to crack up, but it's not, not like... you can put in a daily conversation, though. No, we're not just going to be sitting here and out of nowhere go like, Freedom isn't free! <laughs> I've had like six people this week put a jihad on me. So. <laughs> <laughs> Although I, I have said America fuck yeah a lot of times yeah to be fair America yeah. the song ever, I hear people go America all the time when they're talking about America <laughs> not only in America that's happened like in Europe I've heard people say that yeah they're like Belgium no it's okay <laughs> <laughs> well they're better than us at soccer so that one's uh, timely well, even the America Fuck Yeah thing, I mean, when Captain America came out, how many trailers were online where they just took the, the trailer and replaced it with that theme song? So if there's one takeaway, it's got to be that theme. Yeah, definitely. All right, uh, Jana, your final rating for this, and did it make you feel pride in America? I would give it about a seven. And I agree that the fact that they can poke fun – the fact that they can poke fun at themselves is what makes it so good. Like, I find nowadays there's so many people out there that are so freaking serious about patriotism and America and all that. It's finally somebody is able to make jokes about this and probably piss a bunch of people off in the process. But you know what? If you can't laugh at yourself, you have no right to laugh at others. And I think that's what makes it so patriotic. You know, it's funny. Kim Jong-il never tried to declare war over this movie, yet that movie comes out with, uh, what's their names, James Franco and Seth Rogen, and all of a sudden they're like enemies of the state over there. Well, that's the, you know, because Kim Jong-il is actually dead. Now it's his kid that's in office. Mm. He's worse. Yeah, he's a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we should make another movie with him now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, America too. I'm so wrong right now. I'm so psycho. <laughs> There's an actual sequel that I would like to see instead of the other ones we were making fun of. <laughs> Tony, your uh, your final rating for or sorry, Steven, your final rating for this. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10, and I don't know what movie I'd ever give a 10 out of 10, so um, I'm going to give it a 9 just because I don't think I found the perfect film yet. Uh, this film overall is just fucking kick-ass, and it can't be any more American. I mean, shit, out of everything that we've reviewed today, this is probably the closest thing to being American, truthfully. So, <laughs> it is what it is, and it's fucking amazing. All right, well, that'll wrap up things for us talking about Team America World Police. We've gone through all four movies now, talked about how they relate to us as people who uh, look for something to be proud about with America or even just as movie watchers, what we got out of it. So let me ask you guys, wrapping up in conclusion, for your best and worst of tonight's entree. Steven, what was the best movie and the worst movie you watched tonight? Team America was definitely the best. The worst is Invasion USA. 
Jana? I agree with Stephen. The best was Team America, and the worst was Invasion USA, though I definitely enjoyed uh, Air Force One. All right. Eddie, how about you? Yeah, um, personally, Air Force One was my favorite, uh, though I think as a whole, the Patriot is a better work of art. But uh, the worst one was, uh, wow, this is like, this is like uh, I mean, this is really rock bottom here. It's like Invasion USA, unfortunately, kind of sucked. And <laughs> hey, Tony, your best and worst of the bunch. Clearly the best is Invasion USA. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Armadillo no, Power. I'm echoing the same comment. Team America best. Uh, Chuck Norris, you're down there all the way at the bottom. Well, a little mix-up for uh, what we thought was the best movie tonight, but everyone agreeing unanimously, Invasion USA, starring Chuck Norris, the worst movie in our American Pride lineup. Despite the armadillo. Despite the armadillo. Honorable mention the armadillo. Yeah. Yeah. This would be the part where we uh, burn the DVD of the movie, but since this is just a podcast, we can't do that. So with that, we're going to close things up on For Real Movie Club. Go around to our hosts one last time. Give them a moment to plug anything that they want to talk about their projects they got going on in their life or just say goodbye to you guys. So, Jana, why don't you start us off? What's good in the world of Jana? Uh, nothing, really. I mean, everything's good, but I have nothing to plug. So I just want to say thanks for having me here. Oh, thank you for coming. Steven, why don't you tell you? I know you got the, the plugs of the couple. <laughs> yeah, so the – um... The bottom movie was unanimous, but if you want someone else at unanimous, you can go to <laughs> Unanimous Decision MMA, UDMMA.com, Facebook.com slash UDMMA, and Twitter.com slash UDMMA. UFC 175 was fucking awesome with Leota Machida versus Chris Weidman in the main event. Ronda Rousey punching and destroying Alexis Davis in 16 seconds. Um, you can get all your recap on UDMMA.com. Um, also, I'm going to be doing a recap of tonight's Ultimate Fighter 19 finale, so make sure you check that out. And until then, you can check out Addicted to Anime right here on Mega Powers Radio. For more information on that, go to facebook.com slash addicted anime fans. Kaboom. All I'm going to say is in that woman's fight, which one of them had to go see the medical trainer after the fight? The one that won in 16 seconds? Yeah. Because she actually had a cyst under her knuckle and ripped it open, punched her in the head. Oh, really? Uh I didn't know what the deal with that was. I just know that she got her hand messed up. I didn't know if she went in there with, like, a cyst and was just so badass that she punched the cyst out of her hand. Yeah, she She neglected it, and then her hand ripped open. Oh, my God. That girl's incredible. Yeah. Oh, Eddie, anything you want to put out there to the world? Uh, Not necessarily. I mean, uh, well, thank you for uh, having me on your show. Um, uh, it's really, I mean, it's a period where I'm not really doing anything artistic or, you know, too creative right now. I'm, I'm still kind of putting pieces together. I'm, writing, I'm trying to write a novel. So it's my first one. So let's see how that comes out. It's been two years in the making, uh, but it's coming together. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll update on you. All right, uh, well, sorry, I'll update you guys on this. Yeah. You, you got like a, like a Twitter or something people can follow to keep up with what's going on? Oh uh, yeah, I have a Twitter and I forgot what it, <laughs> I forgot what it actually is because I just typed twitter.com and it it's on there. Um just go to com and all my links are there. All right, we'll drop a link to that in the show notes. So if you can keep up with what's going on with Eddie, go to that website address in the show notes. Tony, wrap us out with the plugs. All right, guys, check out everything else that's coming your way with Fanboys Anonymous. We just did a review point of Transformers Age of Extinction. Spoiler alert, Gabe and myself hated the fucking movie. So if you want to hear our special complaint about that, go ahead and check that out. We've got a couple other podcasts coming up pretty soon, a group meeting uh, where we're going to preview everything coming our way with Comic-Con 2014. is going to happen next week. 
We're going to do another episode of the Fan Tracks audio commentary. This one's going to be Avengers, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, the Guardians of the Galaxy episode. And eventually we'll be doing Review Point and Fan Tracks for both that movie and Ninja Turtles movie that's coming out. We have our typical shows that are going on with other networks. Uh, We've got Smack Talk. We've got the Raw Post Show and all that that we'll mention from Smart Out Moment. And if you are interested in checking out anything else going out under a mango tree, just follow that and Tony Mango on Facebook and Twitter. All right, folks, we hope you enjoyed this edition of the For Real Movie Club here on Mega Powers Radio and archived on fanboysanonymous.com. To hear more shows like this, head to either of those websites, megapowersradio.com or fanboysanonymous.com. Lots of excellent content content there for you to check out and put inside your ears, your eyes, whatever you're looking to get entertained with. Please stay tuned to all of that and pay attention to the next edition of the For Real Movie Club. Chris, the Dace Man Dace, will be back leading the helm, and he's going to be talking about National Lampoon's Vacation movies. All those great movies at Chevy Chase and the rest of the Griswolds. Look forward to that here in the For Real Movie Club. And until next time, I'm Mike Payton, signing things off for Tony Mango, Eddie Siqueira, Steven Wago, and John Owego. Good night. God bless America. incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought i'm too old for this good day sir you stay classy san diego rose well we're going we don't need rose frankly my dear i don't give a damn i'm finished that'll help you that'll go hasta la vista baby hey everybody we're all gonna get late you're still here It's over. Go home.